Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of January 26, 2023, including... Xbox shows tons of gameplay and reveals release dates during the Xbox Bethesda Developer Direct. 343 reaffirms their commitment to Halo amidst last week's news. Microsoft's quarterly results show some insight into how Xbox is currently performing and more. This day in Xbox history, Cyber Shadow released for the Xbox Series consoles in the US. And this was a Game Pass launch game developed by one man team Mechanical Head Studios, published by Shovel Knight creator Yacht Club Games. This game was so, so good. I do not believe it is on Game Pass anymore. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's no longer on Game Pass. But boy, oh boy, if you have not played Cyber Shadow, you really owe it to yourself to play this game, especially if you like old NES Genesis era like Shinobi Ninja Gaiden style games except only better this game was a little bit TMNT meets Shinobi meets Ninja Gaiden it was just insanely beautiful and really good art style really clever and just intensely good level design if you if you like old school 8-bit side scroll action platforming games like this oh my god Cyber Shadow was so so good so man that game is two years old now I can't believe Time has already gone by so fast. I actually made it to the very end of that game and didn't finish it, so I do need to disclose that for hypocrisy's sake. But, man, I put a good eight hours into it and enjoyed every second of it. It's a, it's a good, good game. But, uh, well, hey, guys, welcome to Xbox on episode 100 and, what is it, 191? Oh, my God. We're going to hit 200 in a couple months here, so get ready for that. It feels like just yesterday I, I sat down in my boxers and hit record for the first time and... Well, fast forward a few years later, and here I am sitting down in my boxers. Same apartment, same everything, just 191 weeks into the same old thing. Anyway, guys, obviously we got a big news week ahead of us. Xbox Bethesda Developer Direct just took place at the time I'm recording this. It is Wednesday evening. We're hot off. Fresh off the press, we got tons of news, gameplay footage, release dates, a bunch of other news. It's a really good week. We got great listener comments to get to. We've got great news stories to get to, exciting news to get to, some fun conversations. I'm really looking forward to a lot of it. But uh, I think we got to keep the pace kind of steady this week if we're ever going to get to it all. But I feel like I say shit like that every other week. And then what do you know? Here we are three hours into a conversation about... If Aristotle meant, you know, Taco Bell was the some was the center of the I don't know I don't even know who did the, the Earth stuff and the rotation and gravity. Anyway, guys, I do want to bring back something I was doing at the end of last year, which is just kind of at the top of the show, being like, hey, it's a busy time of year, uh, so we're just you know got new games releasing every week. Here are some notable releases this week for Xbox, and I'm realizing you know the first half, or at least the first couple months of 2023 are shaping up to be no different than how the last part of 2022 was, so I'm kind of bringing that back a little bit, so let me just uh, start off by saying this week, you know, you're looking for some new content to play, 
this week, over the next seven days, Xbox will have the two following titles released that are pretty big, notable releases. The first one is this Friday, the 27th of January. Dead Space Remake will officially be out. I know a lot of people are hotly anticipating that one, so obviously worth noting. And then next week, early next week, on February 2nd, what is that, Thursday? Like a week from the day this goes live, Deliver Us Mars will come out on Xbox One, series consoles, and PC. I believe that is a, like a... Isn't that like a crafting kind of, I don't know want to say survival, but like a sci-fi crafting kind of action, whatever game? I don't know. But I just know it's uh, there's a lot of hype around it, so notable nonetheless. All right, guys, let's start this week as we do with comments, corrections, updates, things like that. Except this week, we got a little bit of everything. We got corrections, we got updates, we got everything. So let's start with a, uh, actually, we don't have a correction because I never get anything wrong, but we do have an update that I want to get to. Last week, we talked about how uh, Rick and Morty creator Justin Roiland, one of the most unfortunate last names I've ever heard, um, was being accused of domestic abuse and for, for something going back a couple of years, and it was coming to light, and there was some controversy around him. Justin Roiland, creator of Rick and Morty, notable because he is the founder or the head of Squanch Games, which is the new studio that released the recently released well-regarded, well-played highly downloaded, high on life on Xbox Game Pass, the game with the gun that's an alien and it says curse words and we all laugh because you kill a kid. Well, the guy, Justin, has left developer Squanch Games. He resigned this week in a tweet posted by the High on Life Studios official Twitter account. They stated that he had left the team, uh, although no reason was given for the departure. The main cause is likely the aforementioned domestic violence charges we talked about last week. So I'm not going to speculate on this in any form or fashion. We're just going to put it out there. Hey, there's your update of the week. Do with it what you will. Now, we don't have any corrections because, well, there probably are things to correct, but fuck it. We won't talk about them now. We'll, we'll just kind of sweep them under the rug because that's what toxic masculinity is all about. And we will jump right on over to the stories of mild amusement. And guys, we don't normally talk about this kind of thing that we're going to have first up, but I just thought this was such a funny, feel-good story. And not feel-good in like a, oh, a kid survives cancer kind of way, but more in like a, Let's just all have a good laugh at the boomers for a second here because Fox News uh, this past week, and it, it warmed my heart to see basically just everyone in the Xbox community online just come together, hold hands, and trash the fuck out of this story. But uh, <laughs> uh, on the TV show Fox and Friends, which is just the dumbest name for a show aimed at adults, uh, host Jimmy Fela and Ansley Earnhardt, I don't know anyone on Fox except for like Tucker Carlson, on the show Fox and Friends, uh, the hosts were commenting on Microsoft's carbon awareness commitment for Xbox, which we talked about on the podcast the other week. Uh, keep in mind, this is a feature that Xbox has been piloting on and off for years. I think this was introduced like two or three years ago. Um, so it's nothing really new. They're just making a PR initiative and push for it as it becomes more of a mainstay feature that they, they're beginning to advertise and really work through. Uh, but anyway, on the Fox and Friends show, the hosts were accusing tech giant, tech giant Microsoft of going woke, uh, quote-unquote woke. That's not my use of the word. That's theirs. Um, and the uh, and they, sorry, they were commenting on how apparently this is a, this energy-saving mode for Xbox is a ploy for Microsoft to recruit kids into climate activism while not actually reducing emissions at all. Now, for those who need a refresher, this feature is basically, it's an optional toggle mode for your Xbox console that would basically make it make your Xbox do updates and downloads and things like that 
during times of the day where energy is least where where energy grids are least being pulled from so that it is more energy efficient more eco-friendly while also making it more economical for the user because your xbox is drawing extra power only during off times when energy costs are lower anyway so it's mostly a novelty kind of like isn't it cool that we can do this kind of feature really when you think about it because at the end of the day no one who owns an xbox is really going to feel the savings the cost savings of this feature and no one's going to save the fucking rainforest by putting their xbox on carbon awareness mode however it's obviously really fucking cool technology and as people who want to see the world continue to evolve and introduce new tech and new ideas and new features and new options and new ways of doing things i think whether or not we all get immediate you know benefit from this feature we can all take a step back for a second and say all right, that's pretty fucking cool that the Xbox can do that, that the Xbox can know when is a good time to draw power so that it downloads and updates and does things while on standby mode in an energy-efficient manner. Like, that's fucking cool. There's nothing political about it. There's nothing climate activist-related about it. That's just fucking cool. Uh, That's like, God, it's like fucking my iPhone telling me the weather is like some activist thing. It's like, God, shut up. Anyway, this is just, uh, it's one of those moments where it's its its just nice to see that, you know, in a world where people are often so divided and at each other's throats and there's so much division, we can at least all come together and have a good, hard laugh at Fox News for just doing what they do best, which is just fear-mongering, uh, divide, trying, attempting to divide people and stir up outrage where there is none, and... Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really believe that any of these people that work for Fox really even believe the shit they're saying. I think, for the most part, these are highly educated, really savvy actors who know damn well what they're doing, and they're trying to play into a pocket of viewers who are interested in this kind of content, and they just know that there's an audience, there's a market for this kind of entertainment, and they just do what they do because money. So I don't, I don't actually believe for a goddamn second anyone with uh, with two brain cells to rub together, truly believes that Xbox or Microsoft has some woke agenda, whatever the fuck that even means, to uh, try and turn us all into environmental activists by uh, putting our Xboxes in eco mode while, as we download fucking Fortnite updates when we're at work during the day. It's just, oh man, shouldn't we be focusing, Fox, shouldn't we be focusing on like uh the housing crisis or homelessness or the U.S.'s absolute dog shit embarrassment of a healthcare system or like just literally anything else other than um, a fucking eco mode for a video game console. You maybe think uh, any of your listeners should maybe talk about that. Uh, anyway, if you if you disagree with anything I just said or you, you feel strongly about this, just remember PlayStation has a mode that will actually draw twice the amount of energy to update. Um, this is called this is called the Let's Go Brandon mode. Uh, when you turn your PS5 on Let's Go Brandon mode, uh, it will it will wait for the least optimal time in the day to download updates, and this will draw as much power. Uh, I think Sony touts that it can pre- essentially, ostensibly, this can double your energy bill. So that's pretty cool. So if you really want to stick it to the man and fight this wokeness that Xbox is pushing on our impressionable children, let's let's be honest. It's always about the kids, right? That's why we're gonna fucking. That's why we're gonna fucking let roads erode and, and release mass shooters in the fucking school system is because it's about the children, right? So uh, if, if you really want to protect the kids, buy them a PlayStation 5, not an Xbox, because then they won't have the woke agenda put on them and you can enjoy a, a two times as high energy bill because that's progress, not even progressivism. That's just progress. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on to some actual Xbox news, news that 
would maybe actually mean something if you're looking forward to playing new and exciting games on your Xbox, like uh, not Marvel's Avengers, which this week developer Crystal Dynamics announced they will be ending support for the, what do you want to call it? Uh, the underperforming superhero action game published by Square Enix, now former owner of developer Crystal Dynamics. And a blog post, uh, in a box, Let's try English again. In a blog post that was published last week on Friday, the developer said, quote, to our amazing community after two and a half years and introducing 12 of Earth's mightiest heroes, following update 2.8 on March 31st, 2023, we will no longer be adding new content features to Marvel's Avengers. All official support for the game will end on September 30th, 2023. Even after the uh, official support closes on September 30th, 2023, both single and multiplayer gameplay will continue to be available. See below for additional information. And well, it's an audio podcast, so don't 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 look down, especially if you're driving. Pay attention to the road. But anyway, the last updates will include things like Winter Soldier, uh, adding him into the game, and some marketplace updates and blah blah blah. But they are basically not going to be adding any more cosmetics and turning off the cosmetic marketplace altogether when that update 2.8 launches on the 31st of March. So that's two good things that are Disney related that are happening on March 31st. The first one is Marvel's Avengers is getting the fucking plug pulled on it. And the 50th anniversary of the Walt Disney World Resort will finally end the worst resort celebration of all time. Uh, that 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 comment may be a little irrelevant to this, this listenership. But nonetheless, so let's talk about this for a second. Obviously, obviously, we know what this is about. Crystal Dynamics, they're no longer owned by Square Enix. This is a live service game. This is kind of holding this is some some big expensive baggage for Square Enix to have to hold on to. Licensing Marvel is really really expensive, so you don't want to continue to support this game because you have to continue to pay Disney massive sums of money in order to continue to develop and add more content. Plus, you probably have to continue to pay Disney in order to add more cosmetics and continue to add seasonal offerings and various all all the types of content. So basically, this is their way of saying, hey. Uh, the game's been out long enough. It's been supported long enough. We're sunsetting this bitch. We don't own this developer anymore. We don't want to pay Disney anymore in licensing fees for this game that ended up really underperforming for us. And uh, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> you know. So basically, once September 30th rolls around, the only thing you can do with this game is just play exactly what's available as it's available. Thankfully, they'll still be play, uh, paying for maintaining online servers so you can continue to play it online. But man, I don't want to say this is like a like an Anthem moment, like when EA had Anthem and it flopped, um, because I think Marvel's Avengers was probably a lot more successful, at least anecdotally, it seems that is the case. Um, but this is, by all accounts, you know, a, a big L for for both Crystal Dynamics and for Square Enix, because even though it's good, you know, as a developer for Crystal, this kind of just frees them up completely now to no longer be attached in any way to their former publisher and to this former project um, that that's kind of, you know, taking attention and energy and resources from whatever is next for this team. But at the same time, it's there's there's no denying originally the plan for this game was that it would come out. It would sell like crack because it's Avengers. It would have massive, massive player base with, and the game would have long legs that would just keep going forever and ever and ever with tons of support year after year after year. They wanted this to be Destiny, but with Marvel's Avengers. And obviously the game just wasn't that. I know a lot of people argue that the criticisms of this game are a little overdone and that the game is better than a lot of people make it out to be. I personally ever played like an hour and a half, two hours of this game. I It just bored me to death. I just, I couldn't get into it, so... I I don't know. I don't really have enough experience to really speak to it. But nonetheless, there's no denying this game 
severely underperformed. Square Enix talked time and time again about how they took losses uh, in 2021 when this was released. Uh, 2020 or 2021, whatever it was. I think it was late summer, early fall 2020, I think is when it came out. And, uh, you know, that year, basically all their financial support was was just the massive, massive sales of Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, because Marvel's Avengers had just pulled the company's performance down so heavily with its with how it underperformed. Now we can you know we can blame one party or another based on whether that was Square Enix for overbloating this game and over expecting you know too much from it, or if it was maybe just you know, whatever the case may be. Clearly, this game just didn't resonate the way they had expected it to. So after a long belabored two and a half year support cycle this game is finally just getting the axe pulled on it and uh you know it's disappointing because there's no doubt of course going to be proponents of this game who did love it who did enjoy it who are going to be sad to see it go that's always the case of course but um i don't know i ultimately see this as a positive thing because i think there's much better things you can do with these various marvel ip i think crystal dynamics is way too talented of a developer to be tied to a IP like this that just didn't really fit their development chops and that they weren't really getting to exercise their best efforts on. Um, I think, you know, Square Enix is clearly not interested in this Western development kind of game anymore. And for them to be able to distance themselves from it, I think will be ultimately better for the things they do better, which is Japanese role-playing games and things like that. So all around, I see this as a, as a ultimate good thing, but nonetheless, this is going to be disappointing for some. Listen, as a Disney Infinity lifer, I know. I know it's hard. But we'll move on. We'll find new games. All right, next up, a confirmation that Microsoft will be having some kind of E3 or E3 adjacent uh, showing this this summer. VGC reports that Xbox have confirmed they'll return to Los Angeles for a summer showcase ahead of the first physical E3 show in four years. In a blog post on Xbox Wire, the company said on Wednesday that as we have announced previously, quote, in order to dedicate the proper amount of time to deep dive into Bethesda Games Studio Starfield, a standalone show for that game is in the works. In addition to this, our teams are working hard and look forward to sharing even more of what's next for our fans when we return to Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Los, Ange, Los Angeles for their yearly showcase this summer. After four years of, of no E3, the showcase is set to be held in June in the traditional venue of the LA Convention Center. Just days before the revamped E3 returns, Summer Game Fest, a digital showcase held by journalist Jeff Keighley, will hold a live show at the YouTube Theater at Hollywood Park in Inglewood, California. I don't know that I would call Jeff Keighley a journalist, but anyway. Neither E3 nor Summer Game Fest have been announced yet, which publishers will attend at their events. The Xbox announcement suggests that it will likely have a presence in LA during that same window. So, as for which event it's technically a part of, we don't know. Maybe it'll be its own thing. Maybe it'll be E3. Maybe it'll be Summer Games Fest. But it seems like it will no doubt be around that window. All right. That's a, not much to say there. You know, Xbox has always been a big proponent and supporter of kind of the traditional uh, showcases. You know, your E3s, your Gamescoms, and things like that. So if they end up being part specifically of E3, I especially won't be surprised. Um, but I guess it would be surprising a little bit if they went with Summer Games Fest instead of e3 but i don't think they will i think likely what this is is they're going to do e3 like they used to do traditionally well before the pandemic either that or they will be doing kind of like what ea does they'll do their own standalone event right across the street from e3 around the week of e3 and so it'll kind of be like it's an e3 showcase um, but it will technically be considered a separate thing 
But nonetheless, it's just exciting to know that we're getting that big Xbox showcase this summer like we used to get all the time. You know, we still kind of get it, but I I miss the in-person people on stage, a Forza car there, um, some celebrity coming out and having no business being there. I miss that kind of showmanship a little bit. And so it'll be, I don't know, maybe comforting to see that, I think, a little bit. So something to look forward to. Now, next up, this one we'll just blast through because I'm so fucking tired of Activision stuff the Activision Microsoft deal. And on top of that, this week we have too much exciting and interesting and unique news to talk about for me to want to linger on this. But nonetheless, Microsoft have served Sony Interactive Entertainment with a subpoena and it looks to build as they look to build their defense against the FTC lawsuit coming up. According to a court filing, the Xbox maker wants Sony to divulge information it believes is irrelevant to the case, including which Sorry, which may include confidential details that Sony would be reluctant to share if, with the rival if possible. Quote, negotiations between Sony and Microsoft as as to the scope of Sony Interactive Entertainment's production and, and a discovery schedule are ongoing. The filing reads, referencing unspecified documents and it's it has requested. Following a week-long extension, Sony has until this Friday, the 27th of January, to move to limit, quash, or otherwise respond to the subpoena. I assume by the time this podcast goes live, we will basically have an update on this story. So no need to really get into it there. We will pick back up on this next week, but let's do our last story of model amusement. And then we'll get into the juicier stuff. Okay. The EGC reports that a manager at blizzard has left the company over a dispute regarding the company's appraisal system. According to a report from Bloomberg, Brian Birmingham who was lead software engineer at Blizzard for the past 17 years, left the company due to a stack ranking method of evaluating staff. The stack ranking method requires managers to grade staff on a curve. As part of this, Blizzard managers reportedly had to give a low scores of around 5% to, uh, of employees who would miss out on profit-sharing bonus money and be less likely to be considered for promotions as a result. According to the Bloomberg report, Birmingham was forced to lower an employee's ratings from successful to developing in order to meet a quota and demand that contribute in sorry a demand that contributed to Birmingham's decision to resign. So I don't have much to say on this, just because we, all we ever see is just yes, Activision and their owned affiliates are just completely fucked. But yeah, this is gross. This is gross that you have to meet a quota and you have to make sure there are the haves and the have-nots within your company. If you are a successful game developer owned by a very successful gaming publisher. Everyone should get profit sharing. I mean, I work for a fucking company that has people who are doing work that is way less impressive than game development. And even my fucking business uh, offers, you know, even my employer offers profit sharing to, you know, basically everyone. So it's just it's just gross that um, that they would do something like this, especially when you consider just there's so much fucking money going around at places like Activision Blizzard. So. I don't know. Just shout out to Brian Birmingham because he's taking the moral high ground. He's fighting the good fight. And even though this probably ends up going nowhere and making nothing good come of it uh, because we live in a world where people want to call Xbox woke for having an energy efficiency mode um, instead of like fixing our fucking broken roads. Um, you know, it's unlikely that anything like this will will extend beyond a feel good story for a slow Wednesday afternoon. But nonetheless, I appreciate you, Brian. I, w- I wish Something good would come of this. I hope it does. I'm just too pessimistic to believe otherwise. Guys, now that's going to do it for all of our stories of mild amusement, upstates, up, up, upstate dates. God, man, I'm really hurting with the with the talking thing today. I don't even know why. Usually I'm so good at talking endlessly into a microphone, but today, today I'm struggling. 
Maybe it's because I'm trying to minimize the amount of cursing. How many times have I said the F word this podcast already? Anyway, guys, we're going to jump into the news. Obviously, we have so much exciting stuff to talk about with the Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct. I'm really looking forward to that. But before we do, you know, we don't just jump all gung-ho into it. We like to go slow because we got it. We got to follow the order of operations. We got to be respectful of the system that is in place. So with that said, first, we're going to talk about the games I've been playing, which is actually exciting this week. But before I tell you about the games I've been playing, I got to tell you about what I've been eating. All right, guys. Really exciting time here because this past weekend, you would think I have nothing to talk about for what I've been playing because I've been out of I've been out of the state for the past couple of days. I've been in Georgia, my old hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, my my brother got married, Cronky. You may know him. He's an unofficial second member of the podcast. Essentially, he listens and comments all the time. So we all know Cronky quite well. Well, this past week, and he got hitched. So I was in Georgia. There in attendance for his wedding. Wasn't able to do much else this week other than uh, be subjected to cold weather and see yellow gr- dead grass because uh, Georgia is much less attractive looking than Florida where I live now. But anyway, that's not the point of this. The reason I want to bring this up is because one thing Georgia has going for it that my precious Florida doesn't is it, they, they have not one, not two, not even three. I think they have four or five, at least four. Caribou Coffees, you know what I'm fucking talking about, we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, motherfucking Caribou Coffee, they got it, you fly into Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, Atlanta, Georgia, that's what I'm talking about, you hop off the plane, and there you go, Terminal D and E, they both got their own Caribou Coffee, that's what I'm fucking talking about, so of course, first thing I do is I make my way over to Caribou Coffee, what do you know, there's a 25 minute line, Bitches don't know I'm from Disney World. I don't. I, I don't. I don't even. I don't even blink at the thought of a 25 minute line. So I hop my ass right in that line and I wait patiently. I wait eagerly. In fact, I stare at that menu board with my contacts kind of fucked up a little bit because the prescription I have right now is kind of shitty. And I and I stare and I go, "What the fuck am I gonna get at Caribou Coffee? Haven't had this this MF in like four years. I got I got to make it count." We ended up getting the fucking regular latte. We got the campfire latte. We got ourselves the banana bread pound cake. We got a chocolate croissant. Uh, what did Jolina get? She got like a, like a, like a cinnamon roll and bottled water. Yeah, that's right. We're getting bottled water service up in this caribou coffee. Motherfuckers better believe it's it's a great, great time. Dropping 35 bucks in an airport caribou coffee. Uh, yeah, I got it like that apparently. So it was great. It was so good. It was so nice to be reacquainted with caribou. And and you might think, well, Jesse, after all this hype, after all these years of missing it, is caribou coffee as good as you say it is? Or are you just overhyping it? And you know what I got to say? Going to a, an airport caribou coffee, not even a full proper in like standalone establishment, a proper um, drive through slash dine-in caribou coffee location even though it was just a airport kiosk i can still say with absolute confidence that caribou coffee is king when it comes to the chain coffee shops fuck you starbucks f you dunkin donuts all you mfs out there trying to get all cute with your little mermaid logos and your seven dollar drinks no caribou is where it's at it's the freshest bestest most ethical coffee that's right ethical coffee learn read about it learn about it. it's fair trade it's uh, it's it's pomade, it's marinade, it's very good shit, and uh, it was it was just so good to have some caribou. But I will say one takeaway I had from this was um, one takeaway I had from having caribou coffee is I like caribou a lot. When I was in Georgia, caribou coffee was my go-to coffee. A little out of the way, not not everywhere, so it's not always easy to get your hands on. But when you get it, 
you, you taste the difference. You're like, oh yeah, this is so much better than the other chain coffee shops. Here in Florida, we don't have Caribou, but we do have a secondary. We we do we do have another local coffee chain. Actually, it's more local because they're from Tampa, Florida, and they're really only in the state of Florida, with rare exception in California. Joffrey's Coffee, coffee, which I've probably talked about on this podcast many a time before, is the official coffee provider of the Walt Disney World Resort. Now, they have kiosks and locations all over Disney property in Florida and California, and that's how I became acquainted with Joffrey's. I love Joffrey's. They have phenomenal coffee. And while I was sitting there drinking my Caribou coffee, I realized Caribou is to Georgia what Joffrey's is to Florida. So even though it hurts because I can't just pop into my local Caribou coffee whenever I want now that I live in Orlando, at least I always know that Joffrey's has got my back to give me that similar kind of high-quality, mass-produced comfort coffee that Starbucks just can't provide me, that Dunkin' Donuts sure as hell cannot provide me. I've always wanted to be a Dunkin' fan, but I gotta, I gotta be honest, Dunkin' Donuts sucks. They, they are the Burger King of coffee shops where you can go there once and have a great cup of coffee, and then you can go there the next week and have a god-awful cup of coffee. The only thing worse is that, at least with Burger King, they get the excuse of food making being a little more tricky with more variables than coffee making with coffee. It's like, dude, all you got to do is not fucking burn the coffee and put hard rock ass sugar in my iced latte. Like what are you doing, man? You ever heard of simple syrup? You stupid, tiny brain incel. Anyway, shout out to caribou coffee. As a side note, I contemplated going through uh Cronky's wedding dinner menu and kind of like critiquing and reviewing all the food at his wedding for the what I've been eating this week, but I felt like that would be a little too, uh, I don't know, maybe just a little too boring <laughs> and uh, mean-spirited, so I ended up not doing that, but just no Cronky. I did take tasting notes on the food at your wedding. I have thoughts. Good shit. Anyway, that's it for what I've been eating. Guys, let's really really quick get into the what I've been playing so we can rush rush through the, the bullshit and get to the, the developer direct where we learned about Minecraft Legends and Hi-Fi Rush and Redfall. We'll get there. All right, what I've been playing. Guys, I have been working a little bit through Life is Strange True Colors um, and Modern Warfare 2. You know, those are my two games I've been playing, whatever. But I went to Georgia, so it kind of pulled me away. I wasn't really able to play any games. I don't know what happened, but on Monday, on my way home from work, I was listening to my favorite podcast, Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast hosted by none other than Mr. Colin Moriarty. And um, the cast were talking about uh, Batman. No, not Batman. It's called Arkham Knights, the the most recent Batman game. Arkham Knights released in October last year, just a few months ago. And I don't remember why it was brought up or what the context was, but they were you know referring back to how the game kind of wasn't what people were expecting. It was kind of a little bit of a of a of a a letdown of a, of a game and yada, yada, yada. And for some fucking reason, I, I, I don't know. I just had one of those moments. I don't know if maybe you guys can relate if you ever had something like this where it was like, I'm just listening to these three hosts talk about how Gotham Knights was just so disappointing. It's not a very good game, blah, blah, blah. Who really gives a shit? I think they were talking about sales numbers, how it, was, it charted pretty well on NPD. I think that's what they were talking about. But anyway, and for some reason, I'm sitting here in traffic and it just clicks in my brain. I'm like, I think Gotham Knights is on sale on Xbox right now. I think it's like 35 bucks instead of 70. I don't know why, but listening to these three guys talk smack about how Gotham Knights is not a very good game has made me very much want to just go home and play Gotham Knights. So impulsively, that's what I did. I went home and I 
I just bought Gotham Knights. It was on sale for 35 bucks. So used some Microsoft reward points, got the price down a little lower. $25 Gotham Knights, not complaining. I'm not here to complain about it. So yeah, I'm playing Gotham Knights. I've sat down uh, yesterday. I played three hours. I was expecting to like boot it up for 45 minutes, get a taste of it, go write the podcast notes, go to bed early. Nope. I ended up staying up late last night because Gotham Knights sucked me right in, dude. It's it just just like a like a a sea witch. It pulled my pants down and sucked me in. That's what Gotham Knights did to me, guys. So real quick, I, lo- I love when we have comments that relate to other things in the news and in the show so we don't have to push them all down to the end of the podcast. But Mr. Malg wrote in and says, Jesse, you keep referring to Gotham Knights as Batman Arkham Knight when Batman Arkham Knight came out in 2015. I'll not stand for this. Also, did you hear that Surface Duo 3 might be canceled? Or just might not be a dual screen phone anymore. Yes, I did hear that. It is a, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a folding single screen phone like the Samsung folding screen phones. Don't talk to me about it. I'm still salty, but we will we will find a way to be strong and move on. That's what we Windows phone fans do is we we take hard news on the chin and we become stronger. But yeah, you're yeah you're right. I keep I keep getting self conscious about that too. I keep calling Arkham Knight, Gotham Knights, and back back. Listen, stupid naming, stupid naming, stupid naming. And that's where I'll start my conversation about Gotham Knights. Stupid fucking name. Not because it's a dumb name, but because it's too close to Batman Arkham Knight. Why would you do that? Arkham Knight. Gotham Knights. Knight. Knights. So dumb. I hate this. I hate this name. I hate... It, it, it's a cool name. It is a cool sounding name on its own. But I just keep conflating it with Batman Arkham Knight, which I know the difference. I do In my head, I know the difference. I know Batman Arkham Knight is the third of the Arkham Trilogy that began with 2009's Batman Arkham Asylum. I know that. But for some reason, I just can't stop fucking up the names every time I say it. So forgive me, Mr. Maug. But right now, we're going to be talking about Gotham Knights. Which I, I, I'm i actually really liking. And hey, we just talked about Marvel's Avengers. A similar kind of like live service-esque multiplayer cooperative game set in the DC universe as opposed to the Marvel universe that a lot of people ended up being like, hey, this is kind of disappointing. We all had high hopes for this game and it just didn't work out. But uh, I'll be honest, three hours in and I am really, really hooked on Batman Arkham Knight. Um, And I feel embarrassed saying this for a multitude of reasons. Let me start with this. The game looks like ass. Like, this game, it's not like... Usually, I'm not one to care about presentation in a video game. Like, we talk about Callisto Protocol having a really big budget and underperforming compared to what publisher Crafton wanted. And I, I, I we talked about how, you know, if anything... A game like Callisto Protocol could have just been... They could have saved a bunch of money and made the game look a little more double-A and it would have been fine. That game is way too beautiful looking for what it is. It doesn't need to be... You know, presentation is often just overdone in, in a lot of games. I think gaming could go a lot further with more emphasis on unique art style and less emphasis on hyper-realism and everything. But Gotham Knights is not one of those games. Gotham Knights is a rare example where this game just looks bad. The graphics are shitty... The, the 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 world looks empty and kind of like lame and just surface level. like this game looks in a lot of ways like a 2013 like late Xbox 360 early Xbox one kind of game it's just not a very good looking game it's it's insane to me 
right off the bat, that was the thing is I just keep, I keep like looking for the game to be pretty because like, you know, you can like zip line on buildings and you can like perch over towers and ride your freaking motorcycle, bat motorcycle around the city. And I'm just, I'm waiting for like that moment to strike where I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool shot. That's kind of cool lighting. That's really good reflection. That's really pretty looking detail and nothing in this game looks that good. Everything with the exception of maybe the faces, the faces look pretty good. But with the exception of that, this game just looks rough. And listen, again, I'm not the kind of guy who cares too much about that, generally speaking. So I, I don't care. That's not going to impact my ability to enjoy this game or not. It's just notable to me because this game was in development for so long. I think this game was in development for like seven or eight years. So it's like, what, what the fuck were you guys doing for all that time? Like, how did you not make a game that is like so hyper polished and so next gen looking? I just I don't understand. And then, you know, keep in mind the controversy, and I feel like I'm probably a hypocrite here because remember the controversy a few months ago was the game only runs at 30 FPS on console, even if you're on Series X. Listen, I can understand 30 FPS on my Series S, but on my Series X, a game like Arkham Knights or Goth sorry, Gotham Knights should run at 60 FPS 4K or 60 FPS 1440. So I, dude, something. What is your excuse? It is a four-player, barely open world, moderately linear open world, narrative driven third person action game it's not we're not talking about freaking cyberpunk we're not talking about i, I don't even know man because I, I just i'm still always confused i'm just like how's call of duty like so like 120 fps 4k on a fucking potato and then and then like gotham knights can't figure out and remember there, there was the one the one guy that worked on this game that was kind of like making some bad a bad reputation for himself by being like, oh, well, don't blame us. It's the Xbox Series S's fault. We got to develop for the lowest cost. Shut the hell up, dude. The Series S is a great little machine. I'm not going to stand for it. This game looks and runs kind of shitty in an inexcusable way for how big the budget was, how long the game was in development for, and what and what the game really is. Like, I just don't, I just don't see why it has to look and perform this rough around the edges. That said, the good news is it's purely aesthetic. Where this game looks rough is purely aesthetic. It is graphics. It is 30 FPS versus 60 FPS. But when it comes to like the actual game, the game is not buggy and glitchy and broken or a mess or anything like that. It's completely well put together and fully developed and and, and fleshed out in that regard. And the game is it's good. That's that's the thing is. I've seen complaints that the combat in this game is like a little clunky, a little slow. Yeah, it kind of is, but like once you get used to it, it doesn't really feel that way. It just feels like it's trying to be a little more cinematic. If anything, I think the thing that feels clunky or weird is just sometimes your movement, like if you're trying to like run up to a table, interact with an object, sometimes it's just like you're either always going too fast or too slow when you move in this game. It feels a little unrefined in that way. But I want to get all these complaints out of the way up front just to say all those things aside, I'm really enjoying this game. I think the story is surprisingly really cool. Like, the opening is a little bit too long in the tooth. This isn't a spoiler to say. This is just the synopsis of the game. This is, like, the back of the box, like, what the game is about. The game literally starts out immediately, and it's Batman dies. And so you play as the four Gotham Knights. I'm not I, I'm not a big DC guy. I'm not a big Batman guy, so I'm not very familiar with these characters. You know, I really only know Batman from various movies over the past 20 years, and so these aren't characters I know well, but, you know, Batgirl and Night Nightwing and, and uh, knockoff Deadpool and Robin and like they're, they're trying to like piece together this mystery, this thing that Batman was working on before he died. And that's kind of the general synopsis of the game. But 
it's really cool. Like the character interactions are cool. The character development is is good. The writing is good. The acting is good. The game feels very cinematic. Um, none of the missions are too long to where it feels like there's bad pacing between gameplay segments and story segments. And it's really fun. It's like the game will let you go into your little investigative piece. Then they pop you in the open world. You go around, you do some side missions and stuff. And then you go into a main quest and it gets a little bit more linear and then rinse repeat. And that's kind of the cycle of the game. And I see a lot of people complain that the game gets a little repetitive or it's a little boring because of that pretty predictable loop again and again and again. But so far, again, I'm only three hours in. I know the game's probably like a 30 hour game. So there's a lot to see and do still. But so far to me, I find this to be a pretty satisfying gameplay loop. I'm really enjoying it. It's like narrative, detective work, set you loose in the open world, explore, fight, track down, collect, go into a linear kind of third-person action level, story content, story payoff, unlockable, upgrade, boom, rinse, repeat the cycle. And to me, like, that's really satisfying. I'm finding the game really fun. And I know there was a lot of gripes about all the different currency systems, and it has so many live service game elements in it. But honestly, I'm, I'm playing the game... And it's just fun. Like, I like light RPG mechanics. I like a skill tree. I like a little bit of XP here and there. So, like, generally speaking, I think those are elements you can put into a game. And it it's, it's okay. Like, I'm into it, you know? As long as it's not like it feels like they're adding features that just have no business being there or they just feel so out of place. That just doesn't seem the case in this game. Like, so far, I'm just really enjoying it. I picked to play as Nightwing. Um, one one issue I do potentially see foresee coming is... I, I, I'm pretty interested in playing as Batgirl, but I've been pushing all my skill tree upgrades and level upgrades on Nightwing. So if I want to switch to Batgirl, what does that mean for my level and my skill tree? And because now I got to level her up. And so that, that gets a little weird, but I think it's because the game is intended to kind of be played like you pick your character, you stick with your character, and then you go online and play with your buddies and it's co-op and, you know, someone else plays as Batgirl, someone plays as Robin, so et cetera, et cetera. But with that oversight, I guess you could play it kind of as like New Game Plus if you want to treat it that way. That oversight kind of aside, I, I just think this game is really cool. I think like the swinging is kind of cool. It's a little bit like Spider-Man. You got your little grappling hook you can swing around the city with. You got your Batman, Batman motorcycle that you can just call on command anywhere you are in the city. Although it's a little bit clunky when you're riding the thing because you can't fall off of it. And when you smash into things, nothing happens. It just feels a little like an N64 arcade racer a little bit in that regard. But um, whatever, the game's fun. The game is arcadey. The game is goofy. The game is very conventional with its mechanics. And you know what? Sometimes that's just a really good time. And in the case of, uh, in the case of uh, of of Gotham Knights, I gotta say, where a game like Marvel's Avengers really just didn't do it for me, Gotham Knights is shining. And I think that's saying a lot, considering that you know when you consider the IP attached to it, it's like. I don't really have a big touchstone with with DC characters growing up. You know, I was always kind of turned off with the with the sole exception of Static Shock. I never really gave a shit about anything even remotely related to the DC universe. I grew up like completely adoring and loving the Static Shock TV show. But other than that, Batman don't care. The Flash don't care. Superman don't care. Lex Luthor don't care. All that to me completely just insanely boring. Um, but I always grew up loving Marvel. I loved X-Men. I loved Spider-Man. I loved Hulk. I loved all those characters that, you know, I'm not going to, you know, sit around and pretend like I always knew who the fuck Ant-Man was back in the day, but no, but like, I always, I always loved playing all oh, the new, the new X-Men game, the new Spider-Man game, the new Hulk game, all these games growing up. I ate that shit right up. I watched all the cartoons. I watched all the movies, whatever, but I don't know. There's just something about it where like Gotham Knights feels like it gets it. Like it's a fun 
Batman game. Like Gotham City is dark and creepy and it's got all the villains and it's just fun to kind of do this detective mission and figure out what the fuck was happening with Batman and how he got into this mess and the characters are well written. Whereas I played Marvel's Avengers and the hour and a half I spent with that game, I was just like, cringe, power off. Okay, I'm going to go outside and like go to a theme park or something because this game hurts. You know, I, I don't know. So really, really so far... Pretty surprised with how much I'm enjoying Gotham Knights. I'm going to continue to play the hell out of it, with the exception of one other game that we're about to talk about in the news that just got announced slash released that is probably going to pull me away from this a little bit. But yeah, man, Gotham Knights kind of coming out of nowhere because right now I'm supposed to be playing Persona 5, but I got this weird itch, this weird thing that was calling to me and said, go play Gotham Knights. And I did. And guess what? I really, I really like this game. So that's it for what I've been playing, guys. But without further ado, boy, oh boy, I know we're all excited to get into the Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct that just took place. So let's take a quick break and get into the big news of the week. All right, after a little break there, let's jump into the proper news, starting with the thing that everyone's here for, guys. My award-winning personality. No, I'm just kidding. The Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct. Yes, so we're just a couple hours removed from this. I haven't had much of a chance to just stop and just think about this event. So this is going to be pretty like pretty raw, immediate kind of uh, response um, thoughts, I guess. Although, you know, to be fair, most of these are like in-depth looks at games we've either already seen or already known about. So it wasn't like too much that was like mind blowing here, uh, save for the big secret reveal, uh, which we'll get into in a minute. The Developer Direct, first of all, guys, let's start out again. Another one of those weeks I really love where we have people commenting in with, uh, you know, timely comments, comments that coincide with our stories or discussions so we can kind of have the discussion with the audience while also talking about the news. So let's start off our discussion of the Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct with a comment from Clanky1. Clanky, please change your... I will pay you in fucking... What do they? What currency do they use in Hogwarts? Is it like... British rupees or some shit. I will pay you 57 butter beer rupees to change your name so that you're not Cronky's clank, Cronky, Clanky, Clunky, whatever it is. You're not my brother. You're a different man. Maybe. You said, I just finished watching the developer direct and I'm disappointed. I went in with no expectations and was still a bit let down. I was hoping Redfall would be released sooner. No firm forts a release date, and I'm indifferent on ESO, Elder Scrolls Online, and Minecraft Legends. The Hi-Fi Rush game doesn't seem to be my kind of game either. I wish they would have done a sizzle reel at the start of the show instead of the end. They were way too many, there was way too much talking. Could have been 20 minutes. I'm sure others are excited, but for me personally, the show did not do anything for me. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way, Clanky, and uh, it's disappointing... Uh, you know, obviously, you know, can't win them all. Not every, not every showcase is going to work for everyone because everybody has different tastes, different preferences. That's totally fine. I've definitely been a little bit sour on events that other people have thought, or that generally people thought were pretty great. But if I'm being honest, I think this was the best Xbox showcase event we've seen in a damn long time. And not because it's like, wow, they announced so many great, unique games I wasn't seeing coming, but because this this direct was really straight on to the point messaging it had exactly what we needed which was solid gameplay and realistic expectations like hi here are games coming out in the next like six to ten months they're all exclusive games or first party content 
Uh, we're going to show you in-depth gameplay. We're not going to sit around and have Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond back and forth about putting players in the center of the universe or the center of the earth in the middle of Mordor because that's how gamers win and we all play and win together and they're not going to put a fucking celebrity on stage to tell you about why Crest Toothpaste is the official toothpaste of the Xbox brand and then Dwayne Johnson's like, come see my new movie. Something about a strongman playing by J Dwayne Johnson in theaters now, sponsored by Gillette for Xbox. And it's like none of that shit. All that shit was gone. This was Xbox really fully trying their hand at a Nintendo Direct style event. Sony's been doing these for a little while now with their state of play events. Nintendo, of course, spearheaded these almost a decade ago or about a decade ago with Nintendo Direct. And I think we all used to really yearn for the kind of more personal touch and interaction of like having the figureheads there and such. And I think Xbox has that figurehead kind of thing more than anyone now with Nintendo no longer really having Reggie fils and with Sony kind of just not having anyone even remotely charming and endearing to want to latch on to. I feel like Xbox is really the only one that has like those kinds of figures where it's like, yeah, we, we want to see Phil Spencer get up on stage and things like that. But I think save for like your E3 type event, I really think this event is exactly how Xbox needs to play out their announcements and showcases going forward, especially their smaller ones. You know, you get, I think, one of these early in the year, one of these around fall time, one in the winter, you know, three or four of these a year, and then boom, your big showcase in the middle of the summer. I think that would be the way to go for Xbox going forward. I love that, you know. Um, so I don't know. I was really a big fan of this. It started out, they set expectations exactly right. They were like, hey, um, Minecraft Legends, Elder Scrolls Online, Forza Motorsport, and Redfall. We're going to talk about these four games. They're all 2023 games. We're going to show some in-depth gameplay. We're going to get right to the point. And then, of course, when the when the direct started, they immediately teased off the bat. They're like, "Get ready for us to talk about these four games," and that scratches out four and replaces it with a five. And it's like, "Oops, there's going to be a little a special secret," which is super exciting. And I think Xbox did such a great job of really setting the stage and being like, "Listen, if you get your hypes up and end up being disappointed, that's a hundred percent on you." Because they literally said for weeks leading up to this, like, "Starfield will not be here. Starfield is getting a separate event." In the, in the near future. So we're all expecting a dedicated Starfield event in like a month or two. Okay. So they made, they set that expectation. They told us exactly what games they'd be talking about. They told us it was about games coming out in 2023. They said it was about Xbox and Bethesda. Like, I, I just feel like they, they, they set, they did everything they could to be as direct and honest about what we were getting as humanly possible. So I didn't walk into this event saying, where's Fable? You know, what the fuck has, um, Undead Labs been doing? Where's that State of Decay 3? You know, I, I'm not worrying about any of that stuff because Xbox already told me what to expect. And I like that. You know, maybe when they do their E3 event in June, you know, maybe that's the event where I can kind of expect the unexpected. But for an event like this, I wasn't let down because my expectations were properly set. So, first of all, you know, I, I, Clanky, I'm sorry that, you know, it's unfortunate. But I mean, like, like I said, we all have different tastes. You can't win them all. Maybe this style of inform maybe this style of delivery just doesn't work for you, but I thought this was great. Each uh, it was about a forty-five minute showcase. They had five games to show. Each game got you know roughly like you know eight to twelve minutes a game, whatever the hell it was, uh, eight eight minutes or whatever. And uh, I thought it was. I thought it was good shit. <laughs> um, so let, let's just go in the order. I pulled this from Windows Central. It's just a little bit of a everything that was shown kind of article, and I just pulled out 
key phrases and bullet points and try to like push it all out so we can kind of go through them one by one they started with minecraft legends this is a game i've been pretty keen to learn more about uh, minecraft legends the action strategy game from mojang studios the minecraft developer as well as blackbird interactive and keep in mind blackbird interactive is basically the team that's making this game i think this is more like a mojang is shepherding the ip and blackbird's kind of making the game uh black uh blackbird for those who are not familiar uh they kind of focus they, they kind of specialize in strategy type games they did the homeworld series they did crossfire legion which uh i know a lot of you're like what the fuck there's another crossfire game yeah it's a really good uh, rts crossfire game that came out last year i really, really liked a lot so uh, basically an rts studio and so we got some really solid gameplay footage of Minecraft Legends. We'd seen a little bit of it from its announcement trailer, but this is like a full-fledged, in-depth look at it. And um, we got to see there's a PvP mode where you can play single-player. Basically, you can pit up uh, uh, teams of two um, or four. And you can go head-to-head and, and kind of have that real-time strategy kind of thing, but it's... At the same time, it's like you're controlling your character, but you're controlling your army, so it's got a little bit of that, like... I don't know, Overlord kind of twist to it. If you remember Overlord from the Xbox 360 era, um, that's kind of what it made me think of in terms of like it's moment-to-moment gameplay. Um, But it also has that building element that Minecraft is so well known for. So you can build your base, you can fortify your base, you can defend it, uh, you can... The, the what was it? Oh yeah, the arenas, the battle arenas are procedurally generated. So every time you play, it's a little bit different. So you get to build your base and, and protect it. It kind of differently depending on what your arena is each time and how your opponent is setting up their base and playing. You can play more defensively or or more aggressively. I, I really love real-time strategy, so I, I think taking that and applying it to Minecraft is really cool. This, From what I gather, this is a really unique twist on the real-time strategy genre. It's more of an action strategy game, um, but this is, a, for all intents and purposes, this is Minecraft's Halo Wars, you know, Gears got Gears Tactics, Halo got Halo Wars, Minecraft is getting Minecraft Legends. I think the game looks really fucking cool. It's coming out on April 18th, so just a few months from now, we've got a solid locked-in release date, and as is always the case with Minecraft, it is not being locked solely to Xbox, so it will come to other platforms like Xbox One, uh, PS5, PS4, Nintendo Switch, so it'll be on all the spectrum of platforms that you can expect games like Minecraft Dungeons as well to be on. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about Minecraft Legends other than I was pretty curious about the game when they first announced it. thought it sounded pretty cool. Um, I think it looks really awesome now. I, I like Minecraft. I don't know if, I, if we said this last week, but I, I find Minecraft to be that one... It's like that one IP where it's like everyone loves it. It's obnoxiously huge on YouTube and with kids and all this stuff. But for whatever reason, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I, I like Minecraft. I feel like it's... It's wholesome, it's fun, it, it it warrants its popularity by being a, a really solid game. Um, I don't know, I just, I like the IP, I like the art style, I continue to be a Minecraft supporter, even though it's not a game I play a whole lot, and Minecraft Legends, much like Minecraft Dungeons was, seems like another way to utilize this IP to make a really fun and approachable game in a genre that's otherwise generally regarded as a little more hardcore, to kind of help shepherd this Minecraft generation of people who just grew up playing this game, and broaden their horizons with some other genres, while also making more of a family-friendly, low-barrier-to-entry kind of fun and accessible um, strategy game for people like me who really appreciate this genre but aren't necessarily complete buffs um, when it comes to these kinds of games. So I don't know. I just think Minecraft Legends looks really cool. This is, yet again, 
I, I rag on Xbox all the time. You know, look at PlayStation. They got their exclusive games. They got games, games, games. Nintendo's got games, games, games. Xbox, where are the fucking games? One thing I love about Xbox is when they do have games, especially since the days of the Xbox One, when they got games to show, they have a good variety. And I feel like that's one thing the showcase did in spades. And that's one thing I really liked about Minecraft Legends is I'm just like, this is a game that it's just, it's not, you don't look at it and you're just like, oh, that's just another Xbox game. It's just another bro shooter, first person, gory mess of a game, uh, glorifying war, blah, blah, blah. No, it's like, no, no it's Minecraft Legends is absolutely going to be an Xbox game, but it is a unique offering. You know, it's it's a nice palate cleanser. If you, if you just got off a game, plas, a game Pass binge of playing Doom 2016 and Halo Infinite and Wolfenstein The New Order and all this shit, and now, and now you're looking for something different to play, Minecraft Legends is going to be another great Xbox game that's going to give you a breath of fresh air. You don't got to keep playing the same game over and over again. I'm looking at you, Last of Us Part 2, Part 1, Part Remastered. But anyway, I, I don't know. I just this is one thing I really appreciate about this event in ge- in general is that every game shown was entirely different from the last one, and pretty much all of them were interesting. Um, so that was Minecraft Legends. Not too much to say about it because I feel like the game is pretty straightforward. We already kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into with that game, with that game, and now it just looks like something really worth looking forward to. I guess uh, about about three months until it hits Game Pass. So looking forward to that one for sure. Next up, they showed Forza Motorsport. This one I was very curious to see because this game, as you remember, we got like a tonal engine piece, but we never really got serious gameplay footage of this game. And we never got a whole lot of information on it. We just knew that this is going to be the future of Forza. It's just called Forza Motorsport. It's not called Forza Motorsport 8. Um, It is just going to be kind of a games as a service not really games as a service, but it's going to be a platform for Forza is kind of the idea. Now that now that all of Xbox's first party lives through Game Pass, this kind of offers Forza fans the ability to just be like, hey, I'm already a Game Pass subscriber. I don't really need to, we don't really need to make Forza 8, then Forza 9, then Forza 10. We can just make Forza and just support the game over a long period of time with new features, new updates, new cars, new tracks, new everything, right? And that's really what this game seems to be at its core. Um, it's been quite a while since Forza Motorsport 7 came out. I mean, that game came out in, what, 2017? Like, that's that's a long time for a Forza game. Usually these games are by or, or every other year. And so, really, uh, I, I was, I've been really curious just to see, like, what this game looks like. And I don't know what I was expecting, I guess, but, you know, Chris uh, Chris Isake, creative director of Turn 10 Studios, kind of introduced the, the gameplay segment and was the one who shepherded the, the uh, gameplay walkthrough. And uh, we're, we're seeing the game, and I'm like, oh, um, I don't know what I was expecting, but it's definitely a Forza Motorsport game. It's It looks like another stunningly beautiful arcade racing game that is just going to make car enthusiasts and track nuts just completely go goo goo gaga for this game because as Forza Motorsport always has been, it's just this pinnacle, this absolute aspiring, like, uh, like, um, I guess, what do you want to say? Like the, the star student of what a, a sim racing game can be. And this game looks to be no different. They touted the, the damage physics, the dirt buildup, uh, um, animations and, and, and aesthetics and everything, how the game has, over 500 cars available from the start. The most uh, new cars of any uh, of any um, Forza game ever. Over 100 cars that have never been in the game before. Different locations, uh, like a track in South Africa. They talk about real-time ray tracing, rendering features, bringing uh, unmatched realism to the game, as they talked about. So it, it's it's 
you know, it's Forza Motorsport. If you if you've never been into Forza Motorsport, now it's probably not going to really change much of anything for you. But no doubt, but no doubt, this game should have longtime Forza fans very excited about the future of this franchise because this looks fabulous. Um, they also mentioned that there is a single player campaign or career mode, not campaign, but career mode in this game, which is I think different for Forza Motorsport. So I'll be curious to see if maybe that adds, you know, Forza Motorsport, I love cars. I love racing games. Forza Motorsport, I've dabbled in really five was the one I played the most of, of the motorsport series. I'm a horizon guy. I like the arcadiness. I like the goofiness. Uh, I, I'm not that technical with these things. So I, I'm not a huge Forza Motorsport player, although I respect this franchise a lot. I, I do wonder if maybe this career mode might offer a way for people like me to maybe get a little more mileage, no pun intended, out of a game like this. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to giving it a try. This is the only game that did not have a specific release date from this event. They just confirmed it is still a 2023 release date. Remember, there were rumors saying that this game would come out before Starfield or something like that. Um, I was always kind of of the mindset that this would be a November release. So that's kind of still where my money is now that we're back to this ambiguous 2023 release. So I'm going to say November, more vaguely, I would say between September and November, but without, you know, uh, but, but if I were a betting man, if I had to pick a month, I would say November is probably when we're going to get this game, um, which I'm totally okay with. I, I think some people are maybe expecting this to be a little sooner um, because remember a lot of people were like, oh, everything shown at this event is going to be released in the next six months. So maybe, but if Forza Motorsport was coming in the next six months, I feel like we'd have a date for it. So I'm, I'm still going to stick with my September to November timeframe for this game. But nonetheless, um, Forza Motorsport, if you like this series in the past, I think you're, you're, you're in for a treat here. Although I would like to hear more about kind of their vision for it being a platform. I wonder if Halo Infinite's just complete botched live service aspect has frightened them from kind of marketing this as the platform for motorsport going forward. And if it's one of those things where that is their hope that it will happen like that, but they really got to see how the game kind of lands on its feet once it, once it launches before they start really doubling down on and backing that claim as, as, as a, is a fact and a guaranteed thing rather than something that they're just kind of hoping is the case. So I don't know. I, I'm curious because I feel like, I feel like two years ago, Xbox was talking about, you know, new games that are going to be basically platforms of their, of their respective franchises. And now we're just not really seeing that claim come to fruition. So I'm just continuing to be curious about that, but guys, next up was our, was it an, this was the only, unforeseen announcement game that wasn't promised from the get. It wasn't, you know, they, they said they were going to talk about elder scrolls and Forza and Minecraft and Redfall, but this ended up being the, Oh yeah, we have a surprise for you too. And this was so exciting. and so fun for me to see because actually this was in the, in the notes for this podcast this week is that we were going to talk about how this game was actually leaking and that the expectation was it would be announced at this event. But, um, Nonetheless, still, I, I wasn't looking too much into it, and so I was still pretty pleasantly surprised, not really knowing what it was, just knowing the title and that it was leaking, that they announced Hi-Fi Rush, a, a new rhythm action game uh, where you can press buttons and attacks to the beat of the game to improve your combat. However, unlike other rhythm action games, like uh, what was that one that just came out, that Hel Metal Hellsinger or like No Straight Road or any of those kinds of games where... Playing to the beat of the music isn't required. It is just a way to improve your performance and your combat in this game. So really enticing to me because I love action. 
I love third-person action games, platforming games, linear storytelling, cartooning games like this looks to be. But usually rhythm action generally turns me off a little bit because I suck at these games. I don't find them to be very fun. Um, but it seems like they're trying to make this game a best of both worlds where it is a rhythm action game. But it's also really accessible for people who just want a typical third-person action game. So I don't know yet. Uh, I, as soon as I got home from work, I, I hit download. So I got that thing loaded up right now on my Xbox. I plan on getting into a little bit this weekend. It's, it's hard because I'm going to be out of town again this week. Weekend, so don't really have a lot of time to play but now between hi-fi rush and um gotham knights i got a lot of stuff i'm really excited to play so sorry modern warfare 2 you're getting pushed aside finally um but yeah so i, I guess we haven't really even talked about what this game is so yeah hi-fi rush it is the it's a brand new first party xbox game from horror developer evil within slash tokyo ghostwire tokyo developer tango gameworks so yeah, this is uh, it's crazy. It is a third-person cartoon, like anime, comic book-looking style. Um, third-person action looks like it has a little bit of platforming, like some light, light platforming, but third-person action combat game that's that has like a rhythm game element to it. And it looks like um, it looks like that indie game that came out a year or two ago, No Straight Road. Um, I've been meaning to play it forever because the game has a fucking awesome soundtrack. Um, but it, it looks like No Straight Road meets jet grind radio the old sega dreamcast series um it looks like a bleeding of those two games but with this like rhythm combat thing and the game just looks so freaking good like i just I, i'm so excited to see this game um it looks like it's all music based it's got tons and tons of like cool japanese rock music but you got like your freaking keyblade type instrument, like guitar looking sword weapon. You run around slashing robots, but you try to do it to the beat of the music to get better combos and, and pull off better combat. But the game looks super stylized. It's like 50% anime meets some kind of like sunset overdrive thing. So it's like a little bit of jet, jet grind radio meets a little bit of sunset overdrive meets a little bit of no straight roads. It's got super stylish movement. Some, like I said, light platforming. It looks like some crazy uh, thrown around jumping from building to building kind of stuff a little bit. Not as traversal heavy and exciting as like a game like a. Uh, like Sunset Overdrive, but definitely stylish in that manner with a little bit of that pizzazz. Something about the way he swings his sword around and fights enemies actually looks a lot like Kingdom Hearts. So I'm getting a lot of different inspirations from this game. you got a rhythm, third-person action game. It's got a little bit of Jet Grind Radio. It's got a little bit of Kingdom Hearts. It's got a little bit of No Straight Roads. It's got a little bit of Sunset Overdrive. And the game looks freaking awesome. It's like this, uh, this alternate future kind of thing where corporations, blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes. Corporations did this and that. And the guy's got a cyborg arm and you fight these robots. And I don't know. The game just looks fucking cool. It's super stylish. And again, I'm going to say the same thing I said with Minecraft. It's, I love that Xbox can do this thing where like, yeah, we get, we get hi-fi rush and we get Minecraft legends in addition to fable and Starfield and halo and gears of war and Forza and these more tonally serious and mature type games. Because I think that's, I feel like that's, I feel like the perfect platform is like a little bit of what Nintendo does, a little bit of what PlayStation does. I feel like Xbox is the one, they don't always have it because they're so bad with like the cadence of, of good release scheduling for their first party content. But there are always those times, those moments where I'm like, oh, Xbox, you have all the potential in the world to be that platform where you have the first party support that has action games, cartoony games, platforming games, family-friendly games, but you also have really good racing games 
and narrative third person like emotional story driven games and you also have like the badass mechanically superior first person shooters that are so fun and the awesome multiplayer games it's like when you look at like the spectrum of Xbox first party content it's like they have a little of all of that if they could just get all their things in a row to where they have this normal release schedule of like really reliably solid games at a, at a decent clip I feel like Xbox would be so unbeatable because they cater to so many different audiences and as someone who likes a little bit of everything and wants that variety with their games and especially considering that they have a service like Game Pass to support that benefits from having so much variety of games it's just this kind of stuff makes me excited this is the kind of stuff that makes me genuinely excited about Xbox and I know for a lot of people a lot of old school Xbox fans in fact even um, maybe not even old school but more like Xbox 360 era Xbox fans you don't want to see something like this maybe a lot of those kinds of people are like they're thinking about Mass Effect they're thinking about Halo they're thinking about Gears of War they're thinking about Bioshock and they're like I want that I want the gritty realistic grim dark shooting mature first person that kind of stuff and I just got to be honest with you, man. Like, I, I think Xbox is just so much better when they got a little bit of everything. I think about, like, the prime years of Xbox One, like, maybe, like, 2014, 2016, when we had, like, Quantum Break and Sunset Overdrive and Halo 5 and Gears 4 and Forza Motorsport uh, 5 and 6 and Forza Horizon uh, 3 and all that. Like, when that was, like, Xbox's output... I remember, especially in those years, I was just like, I don't know what the fuck people are smoking that everyone thinks Xbox One is a failure of a platform, but when I'm looking at a first-party lineup like that, I'm so happy because I'm getting so many great games, I'm getting so much variety, and this kind of showcase really gave me that feeling again where I'm like, oh man, 2023 has the potential to be so varied and so interesting. We're going to get Hi-Fi Rush, we're going to get Minecraft Legends, we're going to get uh, Redfall, we're going to get Starfield, we're going to get Forza. It's like, that's a damn good lineup. Like, all of a sudden, you know, I'm going from, where the fuck is Hellblade? Where's Fable? Where's State of Decay 3? Where are all these games, you know? What's what's the, um, what's going on with the initiative? What's going on with all these games? You know, all of a sudden, like, that stuff kind of takes a back seat for a minute. Because even though it is frustrating that we don't have updates on those games and they were announced so prematurely, at the very least... I'm just like looking at the shit we do have right in front of our faces coming immediately. And I'm like, this is cool. I'm excited about all this shit. I want this. I'm, I'm up for it. So I don't know, man. Like this stuff just gets me really hyped. I think this game looks fucking awesome. I definitely can foresee a situation where you got a bunch of your like gruff men type. Like, oh, I want action. I want blood. Kind of kind of Xbox fans that are going to be a little pissy because you got like your little anime game. But I don't know, man. I think you got to be crazy to not want to give a game like this a try. And I think largely one thing I've, I've seen happen a lot in uh, in recent years in the Xbox community is I think Xbox fans have done a really good job of being a little more open-minded to different kinds of experiences and, and taking games like this and giving it an honest shake as opposed to just being like, now nah, I'll just wait for my next Gears of War game because I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like for sure when I look around the Xbox community, you know, despite all the many gross and obnoxious and grifting type people that exist on social media i think for the most part xbox fans usually do kind of get around get behind and, and and rally and champion interesting and unique games like this you know it reminds me of like what grounded did like grounded wasn't necessarily a game that was my thing that really called to me all that much but i definitely gave the game a try a couple of times thought it was really cool really appreciate that we were able to get something like that in the first party as opposed to just another Fallout New Vegas style game from someone like Obsidian. So 
I don't know. I'm just I'm just rambling on, but I'm genuinely super excited about this game. I think it just looks super awesome. I cannot wait to play it. Uh, I you know if I, if I if I weren't doing this podcast right now, I can tell you why. I'd certainly be on my couch playing this game right now. So I got it loaded, ready to go. Definitely going to look for a way to give this a try as soon as I get the chance. As soon as I get back in town on Monday. Uh, but yeah, th- that was Hi-Fi Rush. Also, can we just I guess take a second to talk about how this is Tango GameWorks. This is the guys that make this. First of all, this is the studio headed by Shinji Mikami, the guy that did like you know Resident Evil Four, <laughs> and this this is the developer that was founded and in and, and owned by Bethesda, the Fallout and Elder Scrolls guys, owned by them to make games like The Evil Within 1 and 2, which are essentially Resident Evil 4 spiritual successors. And then they made uh, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, which is about to come to Xbox pretty soon, actually. That should be coming to Xbox in the next couple of months. So it's just such a crazy thing. And we, and we know they, they were in the news not too long ago for saying, hey, we want to do something different. Like, we we don't want to just do horror games. We don't want to just do spooky games. We want to be able to do different things and broaden our horizons. And when they were announcing and talking about this game, they had um, Shinji Mikami with, uh, I already forgot his name, I'm sorry, but the other studio guy who was uh, kind of like the lead on this Hi-Fi Rush project. And he's like, this is not the kind of game you'd probably expect from me, but it's been fun getting to work on this and do this project. And the team's really excited and they've made something really cool, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, it's a little bit of PR talk or whatever, but nonetheless, it's like, it is cool to get Shinji Mikami's name attached to something like this and to see the team doing other things and exploring other horizons. And hopefully this just keeps the creative juices flowing and gets everyone really excited about alternate kinds of projects they can do. And I don't know. I think, I think developers can flourish when they're given so much creative freedom and flexibility to be able to just do like, fuck it. We're going to make a third person animated style um, rhythm action game instead of just another third person over the shoulder horror game. And this is one thing that's like, I I give Xbox a lot of grief for this because I'm like, sometimes I think they give their teams too much money, too much time, too much budget to just go run free and do whatever. But then stuff like this happens and I'm like, oh, but at the same time, this is what we need. But then again, also to be very clear and just to just, you know, let's clarify. Xbox probably had very little to do with this game's creation. This game was probably in development or greenlit in some serious form of fashion back when uh, Xbox proposed to buy Bethesda. So this probably has a lot more to do with Bethesda than it does to do with Xbox, but it does seem within that spirit of just like, Hey, we're going to let our teams make whatever the fuck they want to make and not kind of pigeonhole them, which is, uh, what hi-fi rush seems to be the product of. And I don't know. I'm all for it. I can't wait to give it a try. Um, I, I hope it's great. Uh, the next game they showed, this is the game that by far I'm the least interested in. I'm willing to bet the most people were the least interested to, to talk about and see, but they showed Elder Scrolls Online. I understand it's a big online game. A lot of people play it, whatever. Um, let's just kind of get through this. So they announced the next big update for the game called Shadow Over Morrowind, uh, which will be the last part of the legacy of Bretons, Bretons. I don't know what the fuck this means. Uh, anyway, they went on to talk about how Shadow Over Morrowind DLC uh, will release in the next couple months. In fact, I think they said, yeah, it'll be, they said, um, the game will bring people back to Morrowind from the third Elder Scrolls game, uh, which, you know, a lot of fans obviously are probably pretty excited to get back to. Um, and the game will be basically start with two new DLCs, including Scribes of the Fate and Necrom. So the Scribes of the Fate DLC will come out on March 23rd of this year and uh, the for PC and on March 28th for 
consoles. Remember, Elder Scrolls Online is supported on non-Xbox hardware as well, so it'll also be on PlayStation. And then the Necrom DLC, which is a 30-hour story-driven content, uh, also taking place in Morrowind, will come out on June 5th for PC and June 20th for consoles. So a lot of new content coming to Elder Scrolls Online, um, new new dungeons, new campaign stuff, new PVE stuff, tons of new content. If you're an Elder Scrolls Online fan, I assume you have a lot of shit to look forward to. I've always been really curious to give this game a try, but I just I don't, I don't think it's ever going to happen for me. I think at this point, the boat has sailed. It's crazy because I know a lot of people are really into Elder Scrolls Online, but um, but at the end of the day, it's it just seems like there's this massive contingency of people who are like. We want more Elder Scrolls and like play Elder Scrolls online. And people are like, no, we want like real Elder Scrolls. Give us Elder Scrolls six. And it's just this constant like back and forth where you you have all this new Elder Scrolls content constantly coming out with this game. But people are just waiting and waiting and waiting for Starfield and Elder Scrolls six and, and that proper Bethesda kind of release. So I don't know. I feel like this game in some ways gets a little shafted and doesn't get the attention it deserves, maybe in some ways. I wouldn't know. I've never played the game. I don't know how good it is. But nonetheless, I, I, I got to be honest, this game's been out for a long time. I don't care about it. I'm probably never going to play it. And learning this information to me is just like good for them. They keep supporting this game for the people who love it. I'm sure it has a strong player base. Let's talk about something new because I don't care. <laughs> and so that brings us to the last game um, that was at the Direct, which is, of course, the biggest game we're all looking forward to of of what they promised to talk about. Redfall. Thank God for Bethesda, am I right? They had three of the five games shown at this event. But, um, yeah, Redfall. So, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Redfall is one of my most anticipated games this year. I think my two most anticipated games this year are, are Redfall and um, Atomic Heart. And uh, w- with Redfall, I feel like there have been, if you've been following um, the Redfall YouTube page and Twitter and Xbox and stuff on social media, there have been so many Redfall development diaries and gameplay videos at this point that we have a lot, a lot of footage to go off of in this game. And so I'm just going to be honest, I am mostly tapped out on this game. I am so looking forward to it. I'm so sold on it. And I, I I get kind of annoyed and overwhelmed when a game I'm looking forward to like this keeps having further gameplay dives and gameplay reveals and things like that. If this was only like the second time we had seen this game, I'd be a little more excited. But I think this is like the fourth or fifth time we've seen it. And so I, I'm kind of at the point where I'm just like, yes, I know Redfall looks fucking awesome. I don't care. So I kind of I kind of tuned out a little bit at this part, if I'm being completely honest, because I just I just don't really want to know more about this game. I kind of want to wait for it to come out and just organically and naturally explore and discover all that this game is while I'm playing it, because I'm already sold. I don't need you to sell me on the game. I'm definitely going to play it. Um, but they did reiterate how, you know, it's a solo game or you can play with up to three other people for a total four player co-op. Um different enemy types that basically are fighting vampires in this game, but there are different enemy types like the shrouds that bring dark mists and can meld into the floor and avoid taking hits. And how they talked about how if you keep killing vampires, you can anger the vampire gods, which will make you have to face stronger threats later on in the game. A wider range of firearms are available throughout the game, and you can even find stakes to attach to your weapons to like stab the fuck out of vampires, which is super cool. It's a different cosmetic that can kind of like have you grind to unlock or pay to customize. I don't know how they're going to do that. But anyway, you, you, we know how those things go in today's world. Um, but then they gave us the information we really want to know. The, the big kicker, which is that Redfall has been confirmed to be releasing on May 2nd, 2023. It is now available for pre-purchase. Or, of course, the game will be available for Game Pass. So this will be an Xbox and PC only game. So, got 
like Redfall looks so good to me. I'm so down for this game. And I, I've seen a lot of like developer stuff where they're like, well, some people are looking for this game like it's like a Left 4 Dead kind of game. It's not really like Left 4 Dead. It's really more like an open world game. And then some people are like, oh, it's a little bit more like Far Cry than it is like a Left 4 Dead. I'm like, okay, that's weird. And But, you know, the developer's like, it's still very much an arcane game. So expect a lot of the tropes you've seen in other games where you can kind of play it how you want. You can be a little more... Uh, brute force you can be a little more stealthy you can be a little more tactical and, and think about the equipment and the options and the things you have at your disposal think about how you want to approach combat scenarios and how fighting enemies isn't like fighting a horde of zombies in like a game like left for dead where each enemy is a little more methodical and has different abilities and and moves and more health and you have to kind of like think about how you're going to defeat them rather than just like run up to it and shoot it and be done and so the game is, you know, keep in mind, it's an open world game and it has some form of like customization and RPG mechanics. It has stealth elements or, or regular combat elements as different classes, different kinds of character customization. So the game has a lot of these other features. And I know we've been saying it's like, oh, look, it's like uh, Arcane's making like a Left 4 Dead type game. It's really not like Left 4 Dead. But I think there's something about this game that makes me excited for it anyway in in the in the vein of, like, I want a proper Left 4 Dead spiritual successor. And I think what it has to do now that we've seen more of the game and we know that from a gameplay standpoint it's really not like Left 4 Dead, I think it's the, it's the tonal promise. There's something about Redfall, Massachusetts, this fictional this, – uh, this location that you play in the game where it just looks like it, it, everything about this game tonally – evokes the feelings I had when I first played and fell in love with Left 4 Dead all those years ago. And I think that's what it is about this game that mostly has me excited. That and the fact that I dabbled a little bit in um, in Deathloop a few months ago, and I thought that game was really fucking cool. It's one of those games where I'm like, I really need to find a way to fit this into my schedule. I just can't really commit to it right now. And I think applying what I really liked about that game to a game that looks like Redfall this game has me sold. I'm just, I'm so ready for it. I've been waiting for Arcane to have a game to kind of grab me. I've always felt bad. I didn't really get into Dishonored. Uh, I, I kind of need to get back to Deathloop. I always wanted to like pray, but I just never gave it a really a fair chance. But Redfall, this is the game. This is the Arcane game where like, I just know this one's going to be it for me. I just, it, it looks like the one that was made for me. And maybe this will help me get back to the other games in their catalog that I've just missed out on. But I, I, I cannot wait for Redfall. I'm a little tired of seeing it at this point. Uh, May 2nd is not too far away. We are about three and a half, four months or whatever it is from that date. So just fuck off and we'll see you when we see you. But man, oh man, Redfall looks good. And um, to go back to your comment earlier, Clanky, you said you're a little bit let down. You thought the game would be releasing sooner. Now, if you remember, we talked about this when this was in the rumors a few weeks ago. The rumor for Redfall that it w was that it would be an early May release. So that was kind of what we had been expecting, at least for a couple of weeks at this point. This is about as early as it can get. May May 2nd is a Tuesday. So random Tuesday in May is when Redfall comes out, which I think is pretty great. Um, you know, well, sure, of course, it would be nice for the game to come out sooner. The nice thing about this is we have such a messy and busy February, March and everything coming up right now with games that at least this gives Redfall a chance to breathe separate from all that stuff because we got Atomic Heart and Hogwarts Legacy and Dead Space Remake and Resident Evil 4 Remake and all this shit just like bombarding us the next couple of months. So 
to me, I look at this, I think May May 2nd's a pretty good date, especially because May May usually doesn't get a whole lot of new game releases. So anything that's like around late spring, summertime, I, I, the pretty good time to release a game in my book, just because generally those time periods are a little bit underserved. So I don't know, man. I'm just really looking forward to Redfall. I hope a lot of you guys are too. Let me know what you guys thought of this direct event. Um, I think that kind of sums up, wraps it up, really. Uh, I, personally, I thought it was great. Uh, aside from Elder Scrolls, you know, four out of the five games were definitely games that caught my interest, and I'm I'm definitely going to give a go, and I'm looking forward to, which I find to be pretty damn cool. 80% of the games shown are, are definitely things that are for me. That's really good. Um, I, I wonder what you guys thought in terms of, like, did the variety kill it for you? Did it, did it offer you more to love? Where do you guys fall with this? I just think this is... Really cool as I look here at this little thumbnail photo Xbox published with all the games and the Xbox Developer Direct logo. Just thinking about how all of this is like first party Xbox content and how it's just so varied and so interesting. It's so fun. Um, it just it, it's really really puts on a good look for Xbox. Again, Hi-Fi Rush, Minecraft Legends, Forza Motorsport, Redfall, Starfield. These are all 2023 games for Xbox. It's a really strong showing, and there's probably some other ones that were missing. So, I don't know, man. I was I was pretty pleased with it overall. I'm not. I wasn't like blown out of my seat. Like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm so hype. But it was very strong, and I feel like if Xbox could do a little more of this and a little less of here's a game that may come out in seven to twenty years, you know, like I don't know. I think I think the brand would benefit a little bit from more of this. So, good job. Credit where credit's due. I'm looking, this leaves me feeling a little bit more optimistic about where we stand with Xbox right now. But guys, let's move on to our other news stories. We have about uh, three more, really like two in a wrap up. Um, but they're interesting stories and maybe ones that don't leave us feeling as strongly about um, Xbox. But let's let's talk about Halo because uh, we get a little bit more of this in the news. So coming from VGC, 343 Industries has reassured fans that they will continue to develop future Halo content. And the studio was despite the studio being hit with significant staff cuts this past week. On Wednesday last week, Microsoft confirmed plans to lay off approximately 4.5% of the U.S. tech giant's workforce, around 10,000 people. And from reports from Bloomberg and Lords of Gaming, it had identified 343 as one of the several game studios that had been affected, while the, later claimed, the latter claimed that Halo development had suffered a significant number of layoffs, particularly those working on single player, which really blows. This led to the speculation that 343 could be downsizing its commitment to Halo uh, or even outsourcing future development entirely. But on Saturday, 343 appeared to address the speculation because the speculation set the internet ablaze and basically had people freaking out and doom slaying uh, Halo and saying, you know, basically saying that the franchise is is fucked. But the, uh, the they published a statement on, on social media on Saturday and it said the following, quote, Halo and the Master Chief Collection, sorry, in Master Chief Collection, lol. Quote, Halo and Master Chief are here to stay. 343 Industries will continue to develop Halo now and into the future, including epic stories, multiplayer, and more of what makes Halo great. End quote. Now, I saw, this is the first thing I want to say, just regarding that quote. I saw a YouTuber, podcaster, Mr. Maddie Plays. He uh, he tweeted about this and said immediately the first thing that popped into my mind, which is like, ooh, they said, including epic stories, multiplayer, and more of what makes Halo great. Why did you not say, including more single-player content, more multiplayer content, and more of what makes Halo great? It's just epic stories it's so vague it gives them so much wiggle room it's like are you talking about like more story content and multiplayer cutscenes? scenes are you talking about more like 
Intel drops? Like, what are, what are we talking about? Because we know a lot of the layoffs were affecting 343 single player team. You're not directly addressing single player content and story content. And so now I'm now I'm starting to worry. Like, what, what does this mean? Now let me back up a little bit and say I am. I'm glad that this statement was released, and I hope it wasn't just performative. I hope this is sincere. I will stand by this no matter how much the Xbox community wants to go in the other direction, no matter how tone deaf it might seem for me to say, I don't care. I believe in 343, and I will continue to beat the drum that I think there is no developer in this world that is better suited to shepherd the Halo franchise than 343. Again, let me say this one more time, slightly differently for you. Halo 4 is an awesome game that has serious room for improvement because it's not 100% what Halo should be, but is a very damn good game. Halo 5, in my opinion, is everything I could possibly want in the future of Halo. I loved Halo 5. I The only thing I wished was that that game was was more regarded, well regarded, so that they could double down on it and make more of that shit because I loved Halo 5. Halo Infinite was a really damn good game with a great single-player campaign and a phenomenal multiplayer foundation that sorely was lacking on some foundational content and led to a really rough first year of support. But now that we are past that first year and I look back and I see what the game has, Forge, Customs, lots of multiplayer maps, lots of new features, we're about to hit Season 3, really great foundational campaign. Halo Infinite is a great game. It's a great game. And... It, 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 it it's disheartening because I see the the Halo community and it's just, I just, are we even, I just feel like we're all having separate conversations with various limited amounts of of remembrance of, of various things that have been said regarding this IP over the past few years. And we're all just kind of like shouting past each other saying completely different things because where I'm, from where I'm standing, yeah, Halo Infinite had a rough first year because it came out the gate swinging Really good first month, and then pretty much after that, it was like fell face on, fell flat on its face. Just like, where are we with the post-launch support? Where are these features? Where's, where's this online co-op? Where is Forge? Where's all this shit? And it was rough, but we got there. And so I see people who are like, Halo Infinite is a dud. Halo Infinite is a piece of shit game. Halo Infinite sucks. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how this works. When we're talking about live service games, when we're talking about games that are living, breathing things that evolve over time, I look at Halo Infinite and I can say, that was a great game that needed a lot of shit at launch, but I can't look at that game today and say, Halo Infinite is a shit game. Halo Infinite's a great game. What what do you want? That's the thing I'm really confused on is, I keep seeing this whole story, these layoffs, this 343 message, reiterate this 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 freaking dogmatic thing that keeps getting tossed around the Halo community. Shut down 343, give Halo to id. Everyone wants to give Halo to id. Yeah, that's a great idea. Id, they'll make an amazing Halo game with a god-awful story. It has never proven themselves to be good at storytelling. That's not to say they can't do it. It's just they're not known for it. When I think of Halo, I don't, you know, before I think of really fun gameplay, I think of badass world building and storytelling. And so I, not to say one is more important than the other, obviously they both matter, but I think you need someone who can do both these things. And again, 343 is equipped to do that because I know we all want to shit on, on Halo Infinite and say the game is bad, the game sucks, the game, write it off, move on, just go on to Halo 7. But it's like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Go on Halo Infinite right now and play a match. Play a fucking match at Halo Infinite. Tell me what's wrong with the game. Because the game works great, it looks great, 
It plays great. It's the most fun Halo multiplayer has been, you know, seemingly unanimously for most people since like Halo 3. Like, what do you want? I understand it was a rough year. First impressions are everything. And they don't necessarily deserve to get any of that audience they lost back from a rough first year. I get that. I'm not trying to make a case for them and defend them in that regard. But you cannot look at what Halo Infinite is today and tell me, what a dog shit game. Halo Infinite sucks. 343 fucked it up. Shut them down. What are you talking about? Halo Infinite is such a good game. And I don't know if I can think of a single developer that could make a Halo game as good as 343 did with Halo's 5 and uh, five and Infinite, personally speaking. I just, I just don't see it. Now, do I also love the idea of give Halo to id, give Halo to Treyarch, give Halo to Infinity Ward, let them make their own Halo game. Let's see if Respawn can make a Halo game. Let's see someone do like a Halo uh, horror game. Let's see someone do a Halo third-person over-the-shoulder shooting game. I don't know. I, I hear people throw these ideas around. I'm like, I do love all of those ideas. I love Halo. I would love more Halo. I would love to see other studios get to play their hand at the Halo franchise and, and do something different. But I don't want that in place of 343 making Halo. I want that in addition to, you know, I just, I just don't see, I don't know. When I look at 343 and the issues, I don't think it's that 343 is incapable of making a Halo game. I think it is that 343 needs proper guidance and leadership as any studio does because the people who have worked on these Halo games, these past three, 343 Halo games, they have made a, they've made phenomenal games each time, each one pretty much better than the last. Although I think I like Halo five just a little bit more, but in a lot of ways, Halo infinite is superior. It, it has massive improvements in its own right. And it's just like, I, I just don't see how you can play a game like Halo infinite and your walk in your takeaway is this team's incapable of making a good game. It's like, no, no, no. When I think about like, the seasonal content was fucked and there was just too much time between seasons and there just weren't enough multiplayer maps at launch and where are these missing features at launch? Where's co-op campaign? And uh, why, why was the, the the campaign and development hell and scrapped and redone you know, like a year and a half, two years before the game finally hit the market? When I think about all those things, I don't think 343 is incapable of making a good Halo game. I think 343 needs more visionary, concise, and well-controlled guidance from a top-down level that's it does that make sense like you can you can have a team of workers who are really good at their jobs and really good at what they do you can have a restaurant i used to work in restaurants so here's here's an example you can have a restaurant that has amazing chefs that make phenomenal dishes the food's amazing you got to go this place the like uh man the, the ramen's amazing the fucking the fucking meat skewers are amazing everything there is so good the food is so delicious whatever, right? But the problem is there's cockroaches everywhere and the manager's kind of a dickhead and the servers are like kind of forgetful and they'll, they'll never refill your water or whatever. It's like, yeah, maybe you don't go back to that restaurant because that sucks. But that doesn't mean the food at that restaurant sucks and the people who are in the trenches creating the menu, creating the food, the reason behind the restaurant are ass and they need to be fired and removed from from the restaurant industry. It means that you need someone who can get in there and be like, I know how to maintain and run this restaurant. We need better service. We need a cleaner building. We need cleaner procedures. And we need a we need to get this thing operating properly. Because at our core, what we have are phenomenal chefs that make phenomenal food. And now I'm very hungry. No, but uh, does that analogy make sense? It's that three four three have what it takes to make great Halo games. They just need the right people in charge to facilitate that. 
which is kind of hard to do when you don't have great management, when your team is basically given an unlimited budget and just told the fuck right off, when you have a lot of great talent that cycles in and out of your developer because your publisher won't fucking let you hire people on full time. They only let you do these contract workers. Yeah, of course you're going to get a mixed product because you have great people who are being handicapped in their development. And so I, I, I know it's like, dude, are we really going back and talking about Halo Infinite this much again? Like, isn't this dead? But it's like, I got to say, because this past week and all these really unfortunate layoffs and everything affecting these studios have really sparked this conversation again that like 343 needs to be fired. 343 needs to be shut down. It's like, I, I don't think so. I really don't think so. Because at the end of the day, the problem with Halo, the way it's been mismanaged is from the management, not the developers. It, uh, so if you shut down 343, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you can, but like, you, what, you're just going to give it to another team that's, and then mismanage that team or something? Like, I, I don't know, like, what do, what do you do here? So, I don't know. And, and to the Joseph, and we'll get to the Joseph Stane thing in a minute, actually. We got two comments regarding the story, so I just wanted, I just wanted to read those and go over that, and we'll, we'll kind of do that and leave the story at that point, but Dead Captain James, the OG, most original, Dead Captain James, don't think I didn't notice what you did here, you changed your profile picture, you got a dirt bike, I think we mentioned this last week, but I see the dirt bike, nice, Dead Captain James says, it really does feel like Halo is done, I feel like they need to let the franchise rest for like 10 years, then come back and evolve it into something new, and, you know, I responded to your comment. And I said, you might be saying the thing I don't want to hear, but maybe need to hear. And I think you might be right to an extent. You know, the the, the series is is in pain. Halo is hurting. Don't, don't get me wrong on that. Uh, it's hurting because it has a disgusting, toxic fan base that are just insufferable, like Star Wars fans, and they make me want to fucking shoot myself. That's one part of the equation. Um, it's suffering because Xbox has horribly mismanaged this franchise and not had proper leadership shepherding these games throughout their development. Absolutely. Um, it's suffering because they keep pushing to make it certain things while constraining it in other ways. Like, oh, it's going to be a live service game, but they don't have a real plan in place to make it a live service game. They're just marketing shit that they don't have really built up to, to back up their claims. Yeah, sure. So Halo has suffered a lot because it's been pro poorly managed. But again, it's like they have the core talent. They have the fucking people. They have the secret sauce. They have the guys who can make great Halo games. And guess what? They made a great Halo game with Halo Infinite. And um, I guess I guess what concerns me more than anything is like, I, I don't mind a world where Halo Infinite is the last Halo game we see for a while, where, you know, Halo Infinite maybe gets um, this post-launch support. It gets these campaign DLCs and add-ons. As long as Halo Infinite gets treated like Destiny, like it was supposed to be, you know, we get like a new story expansion every two years and we continue to get more multiplayer seasons and new maps and new weapons. As long as we continue to get that with Halo Infinite, I'm okay. I'm okay if we don't see a new Halo game outside of that for another decade. I don't mind. But what really disappoints me is this idea that like, we're just not going to do all that planned campaign expansion stuff for Halo Infinite. We're just going to, you know, do a couple more multiplayer seasons and then lay low and just move on to the next Halo quietly because this game kind of flopped. It's like, I don't know, man, because <laughs> now you're really starting to butcher Halo because when I think about Halo, I, I don't think about a bunch of stuck-up fanboys who are entitled and, and want to control 343. I think about how you had a really fucking cool narrative going with Halo 4. You kicked it up to level 11 with Halo 5. Yes, the pacing and some of the moment-to-moment -moment storytelling was a little rough, but the overall narrative was super fucking cool in Halo 5. 
And then Halo Infinite kind of tries to distance itself from Halo. Infinite tries to distance itself from Halo 5 and tells a really cool sequel to a game that never came out. Basically, you know, I, I often criticize Halo Infinite's campaign is like a great Halo 7. But where is Halo 6, you know? And so now we're waiting for all those blanks to be kind of slowly filled in through these many years of additional campaign support. New campaigns coming to the game, new expansions, new story content. But... If we just kind of drop the ball here and move on, now we're just like double, triple fucking X, uh, Xbox. No, um, Halo with just not telling this story. I mean, like, yeah, this amazing story they created. They're basically overtaking. Uh, Cortana's completely fucking corrupt. She's got all the AI turning against humanity. Really fucking cool story. She's going to weaponize the, the Guardians. Oh, my God. Where is this going? Oh man, look at Halo Wars 2. Atriox has found Zeta Halo. This can't be good. What's going to happen? And then Halo Infinite kicks off. It's like scrubs through 20 years of interesting material. Boom, here we go. Halo Infinite. Uh, yeah, the, the UNSC lost and Cortana's dead, I guess. Oops, fuck you. Um, yeah, we're not going to explain any of that because Halo fanboys are insufferable. And oh yeah, bye. Here's season three. Bye. The game's over. That, that makes me sad if that's where we're at because I, I'm looking for that expansion i'm looking for that story content because to me the story of halo is not botched it's not over it's not ruined it just you you need you need some careful storytelling to finish what you've started here and if we don't get a finish then it's super disappointing so i don't know all right, last comment about this story, and then we'll move on. Kronky wrote in, Josiah, my brother. He says, as always, I'm significantly less doom and gloom as everybody else is about Halo. I think it's going to be fine. The biggest problem the franchise faces is that is what it's faced for a decade over, and is that that is sorry, that is that the people hold it to a legendary standard. Get it? Legendary. Everyone needs to chill. It's going to be fine. Four was good. Five was good. Infinite was good. Maybe they don't make you feel like you're 16 again, talking to pretty ladies in high school or whatever, but that's not the game's fault. Nostalgia is a bitch. And if a new game sucks, to be honest, Xbox fans, you have lo- you have id now. So if Halo fails to deliver, you have the gods of the FPS genre in your back pocket anyway. Uh, Kronky, I think this is a pretty good comment. I don't agree with everything you're saying, but I do mostly agree with your sentiment. And I think it's, uh, I appreciate your level-headedness, especially because you wrote this comment before 343 even put out that statement that kind of gave some level of reassurance. So clearly your head was already in the right place, at at least as far as um, where Xbox (laughs) wanted to communicate to the audience that things were with Halo. I just, uh, it's just different now because we live in the age of the internet where, the conversation, the influencers, the content creators. These kinds of things matter so much, even though they don't matter, if that makes sense, right? Like like a game, like I'm playing Gotham Knights right now. The game got really shit on. It has bad critic res- critic reception. It has bad user scores on Metacritic. Um, everyone says the game sucks. Don't play it. Yet you check the MPD charts for 2022 it was like in the top 10 best-selling games of the year. It sold phenomenally well. Then you go on your Xbox to go and download the game. You look at the user reviews, and it's just a bunch of random Joe Schmoes, nobodies, who are just like, yo, this game kind of rocks. Five stars. One review is like, this guy, this, this game is like Batman Ninja Turtles. I love it. Five stars. And these games, all these, all these reviews, they're just like, what a fun game. I'm like, huh. The game sold very well. You know, random people here and there are just like, good game. Um, but nobody's talking about it. The YouTubers aren't very favorable about it. The Twitter people aren't gushing about it. The IGNs and 
the kind of funnies aren't telling you to go out and buy go out and buy it. And so it, it's frustrating because it's like you have a game that from its sales metrics and from the actual perspective of the actual people that don't have a voice that actually bought and played this game, the game's kind of a bona fide hit. But the conversation, the influencers, Twitter, you know, content creators, they say the game sucks. So I guess the game sucks. And that's kind of where we are with Halo, where it's like, Halo Infinite is just a good game. Obviously, that's subjective. You can play Halo Infinite and think, this isn't for me, I don't like it. But Halo Infinite, by all accounts, is a pretty damn good game. Go ahead, play it, ignore what someone on YouTube told you, ignore what Actman told you, ignore what IGN's review says, ignore what that guy with 3,000 followers on Twitter and the Xbox logo for a profile picture told you, ignore all of those people for a second. And that's not a slight against any of those people. I'm just saying, ignore the conversation. Play the fucking game. Tell me Halo Infinite sucks. That's what I'm saying, man. We're just at this weird point in history where a conversation is somehow trumping sales and and, and user data and things like that. If people are engaging with the game, who gives a shit what the conversation is? And I do understand to to Halo's point, I think part of the problem is they have lost a lot of that online um, user base. And, And the question is, how do you get that back? By having a kick-ass Season 3 that doesn't overstay its welcome, followed by a kick-ass Season 4 that doesn't overstay its welcome, and then boom, right around E3 time, saying, here's your Halo Battle Royale, it's fucking awesome. I'm telling you, I think if you can nail that 1, 2, 3, boom, 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 there you go. The, the story will turn around on Halo Infinite so fucking fast. I think if they can nail all that, by the, by the halfway point of this year, we could be having a totally different conversation on Halo Infinite. But I just hate this notion that, like, Halo is completely fucked. It sucks. Fire 343. Play the game, dude. Play the game and tell me the people who made Halo Infinite are incompetent shithead developers. I just I just don't see it. But then again, what the fuck do I know? I'm just a god among men. Anyway, let's move on because uh, we talked about Halo for three hours already. Let's talk about some Xbox numbers. So Xbox uh, or Microsoft had a, a second quarter earnings call this past Tuesday and where we got some information. So Xbox reportedly has attracted a record 120 million monthly active users during quarter ending in December, 2022 on the investor call. CEO Sachin Nadella of Microsoft, Microsoft CEO uh, said that Xbox saw new highs for game pass during the quarter in gaming quote. We can, we continue to pursue our ambitions of giving players more choice to play great games, wherever, whenever, however they want. We saw new highs for game pass subscriptions, game streaming hours and monthly active devices and monthly active users surpassed a record 120 million during the quarter. We continue to invest in adding the game pass this quarter. We partnered with riot games to make the company's PC and mobile games along with other premium content available to subscribers. And finally, we're, Energizing, but we're energized by our upcoming lineup of AAA launches, including new games from Zenimax and Xbox Game Studios that we'll be sharing details on and gameplay at our showcase tomorrow. That was written obviously before today when the showcase happened. Um, so that's the first part. So promising numbers, right? But there's a second part where during the investor call, they announced that Microsoft announced that Xbox content and services revenue for the quarter was down 12% while Xbox hardware revenue fell 13% compared to the same period a year earlier, which is not good. Now, Microsoft said that content and service revenue was down on a strong prior year comparable 
with decline in first-party content, also lower monetization in third-party content, partially offset by growth in Game Pass subscriptions, whatever. During the same quarter last year, Xbox had released Forza Horizon 5, Halo Infinite, both which were record launches for the console. <clears throat> the declines were in line with the company's previous guidance in October, the uh, CFO, Amy Hood, uh, CFO of, X, of Microsoft, said they were expecting gaming revenue to decline to the low to mid-teens. So these numbers are actually exactly in line um, with what what we were expecting. So with that all said, what can we garner from these numbers? So I'm not surprised to see that Xbox revenue has dropped because, yes, 2022 was a rough year for first-party content. There was practically nothing especially considering the year before around that's in that same quarter you had Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite which were two massive launches so that doesn't surprise me I don't think there's really anything we have to look into there I don't think that's anything shocking I think this year will be completely different when you have Redfall, Starfield, Forza Motorsport etc etc so I think this year's already off to a much better start and will no doubt be an improvement for them so I, I, I'm not worried about it however the the other two numbers are the ones I want to fixate on. The whole um, active users reaching 120 million paired with the hardware revenue down 13%. So I found it surprising because the Xbox Series S was like the best-selling console around the holidays, wasn't it? So I don't know. What does that mean? Because I guess I'm a little confused because my understanding is Availability and inventory of new Xbox hardware consoles was much higher this this holiday season than it was the year prior. So why is hardware sales down, especially considering Xbox is selling basically every console they can make? So that's that's why I'm a little bit confused on that part. They must have not shipped as many Xboxes this holiday season as as they had years prior. I don't understand either that or they have a lot of Xbox Series S units just kind of sitting on shelves not being moved. I don't really know what to make of that. Uh, so that that one kind of perplexes me a little bit um, because we keep seeing Xbox is the best-selling hardware for the month and Xbox was the best-selling hardware for this shopping season and all that. So I'm a little bit confused by those numbers, especially when you compare it to the record-high 120 million active users, which, okay, let's, let's figure out where those users are coming from. Game Pass is on PC, and it's great there. So they're probably getting a lot of PC Game Pass subscribers, probably a lot of people using Game Pass on mobile, on Android and iOS devices. So there's a lot of ways to engage with services, with have that monthly active user number grown, even if your hardware numbers aren't growing. So I think ultimately that's kind of like where Xbox kind of wants to take things anyway, right? Is that it's there are services and software companies, so they want people subscribing to their services. They don't care if you're playing on an Xbox or, or a phone. They just want you to subscribe to their Game Pass thing. So this seems like a little microcosm of eventually where Xbox is even trying to take this. So that I find a little interesting. But yeah, dude, 120 million monthly active users tells me that people are playing Game Pass on, on mobile devices, tablets, and PCs while apparently... Hardware sales were a little soft. And it doesn't entirely surprise me if you say hardware sales were a little soft because there weren't big first-party games to push. But at the same time, during the holiday shopping season, it looked like PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo were all selling basically every console they could get on the store shelves. So I wonder if hardware sales were, quote-unquote, down for other platform manufacturers as well um, just because of the you know last year being more of a move to normalcy we saw in general um a lot of 
revenue from gaming go down as people kind of got back to normal lifestyles and weren't working from home and quarantining and shit anymore. Uh, we also saw a lot, a lot more of just a, a dull year for gaming outside of like Modern Warfare 2 and Elden Ring, really, and God of War. Uh, so, you know, I it doesn't surprise me in that regard with the game revenue, but it's just that hardware one that kind of confuses me a little bit. And honestly, we're just gonna, I, 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 I don't really have. This is one of those like I, I just be sitting here and guesstimating and lying and wasting your time if if we sit here and try to say anything else about it because I, I just don't fully understand it. Um, yeah, like I said, revenue understandable. Fewer new games coming out, not a lot of first party content makes sense. A- uh, active users up, okay, that makes sense. Probably a lot of PC Game Pass subscribers is my main guess for that. Hardware down, huh? A lot of Series S units sitting on store shelves. People not buying Xboxes because no first party content to sell the console. That's all I can guess. I don't know. All right, guys, let's wrap up with our final story of the week. Wrap up story we got from Xbox Wire. These are the new games coming to Game Pass and leaving Game Pass for this week. So available today, as of the time you're listening to this, Hi-Fi Rush, new game from Tango Gameworks, Bethesda, Xbox, first-party title, uh, available on cloud console PC. uh, it's, It's available now. Go download and play it. I cannot wait. It looks really good. Coming soon in the coming days, GoldenEye 007 Remake. It, yes, has been confirmed. It is finally coming to Xbox. It will be out uh, January 27th, this Friday. We'll talk about that more in the smaller news segment in just a second here. But yeah, that will be on cloud and console. RoboQuest uh, Game Preview comes to console on January 30th. Now on the 31st, we got a couple of games. We got Age of Empire 2 Definitive Edition on cloud and console. Inculinati Game Preview on cloud console and PC. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R on cloud console and PC. And then on February 2nd, we got two games, Darkest Dungeon on cloud console and PC and Grid Legends on cloud through EA Play. Finally, my favorite game here uh, of the list, um, on February 7th, Hot Wheels Unleashed Game of the Year Edition comes to cloud console and PC. Guys, this is a really great game. I bought this game day one. I don't have the game of the year edition, so I guess I'll get some extra content through Game Pass. But um, yeah, this game is really freaking good, guys. If um, if you haven't played it, which I assume most of you have not, and you like a good arcade racer game, Hot Wheels Unleashed is really good. This is a Hot Wheels game that is not made for kids. This is a Hot Wheels game made for adults who are Hot Wheels enthusiasts or just racing uh, enthusiasts. It's really cool. This game is super charming with its art style, its track design, really fun cars, really good mechanics, really fun game. I highly, highly recommend Hot Wheels Unleashed. If you are a racing uh, fan, this is a game I, I, I think you got you got to give it a try, especially if it's on Game Pass. And then finally, leaving Game Pass on January 31st, the following titles will no longer be on the service. That is Donut County on Cloud Console and PC, apparently a really good game. Taiko no Tatsujin, uh, the drum master on console and PC. Telling Lies on Cloud Console and PC. And last, Worms WMD will be leaving on Cloud Console and PC on the 31st of January. So make sure you purchase, download, play, try whatever those games before they're gone. Guys, that is going to do it for all of our normal news this week. Let's real quick run through our important enough news stories, important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warn their own discussions, of which we have a decent handful. I think we have four, five, seven. We got like eight of them or something. So let's rapid fire through these real quick. First one, we already just touched on it. 
GoldenEye 007 will come to Xbox on January 27th. It has finally been announced. According to developer Rare, the Xbox version will include achievements, 4K resolution, and a smoother frame rate, in addition to split-screen co-op or split-screen local multiplayer. Um, the game will be on Xbox One, Series S, and X as part of the Game Pass. Additionally, players who own the digital copy of Rare Replay will be able to download the game for free. Next up, the launch window of Warhammer 40K Darktide has been delayed. The seasonal content has been delayed on PC, while the Xbox version of the game that was supposed to launch early 2023 has been pushed back again. In a statement released on Tuesday, CEO of Fat Shark um, said that the company plans to send the next spend the next few months addressing fan feedback following the game's PC release last November, and that they want to basically fix everything that that people don't like about the game before they start releasing any monetizable content so i'm really bummed out i was looking forward to playing this game soon finally i, I don't want to play on pc i want to save it for xbox but it's been delayed again so some unfortunate news next up vgc reports that lord of the rings Gollum is now scheduled to release during the six months ending in september 2023 so uh co-publisher nacon confirmed that the new launch window for the delayed game is a or um, they announced it during their financial report. So the game that is being co-published by uh, Daedalic Entertainment will not be released before April and could arrive much later in the year. So that's a, a little bit unfortunate. Next up, VGC reports that the day before an upcoming MMO game that is currently second most wishlist game on Steam has been delayed by eight months. This game looks really cool. That's why I mentioned it. Um, so it's un unfortunate, but developer, uh, fantastic posted the statement on Twitter saying that basically the game has been blocked by steam due to a, um, due to a name trademark issue. So they had to resolve that issue. Basically the game is supposed to be out on March 1st, but will now come out November 10th. So that really sucks, especially for a smaller developer like this. Now you got to find a way to make it, make it work until you can release this game. Next up, VGC said that former Dead Island 2 designer, director Bernard Diemer, has joined Ubisoft as a new editorial VP. He's previously worked on Crisis, Star Wars Battlefront 2, Battlefield 5, Horizon Zero Dawn as both creative director and game designer. He will primarily, primarily focus on in-game social experiences for Ubisoft service games going forward. And he said, I am honored to join Ubisoft and gain the opportunity to collaborate with talented global team to shape the future of social experience for Ubisoft games. So that's exactly the kind of guy Ubisoft needs. Here's hoping that helps him. Next up, VGC reports the upcoming remake of Dead Space will have an alternate ending according to Trophies. Exophase, a PlayStation trophy website, uh, showed the new trophies for the game. And one of them says that the game will have more than one ending because the trophy um, is, t is titled... Sorry, the trophy's description reads... See the alternative ending on any difficulty mode. So maybe the game will have an additional ending that wasn't in the original version of the game. All right, and the last two uh, VGC reports, Ubisoft's PvP game, uh, previously referred to as Project Q, has been canceled, the company confirmed. Little was known about the game, but it was acknowledged that Project Q's existence last April after leaked footage emerged. At the time, closed test invites were sent by VGC, uh, by VGC to describe Project Q as an innovative and modern PvP battle arena game, but the game is no more, unfortunately. Another canceled Ubisoft game, and finally... The WWE 2K23 release date and box art have seemingly leaked. According to various reports, um, the reliable leaker Agaronamenti Lumia on Twitter detailed the unannounced game before deleting a post at which he said that the uh, the game was on the Windows Store shortly before being taken down. Um, basically, the game is set to release on March 17th, 2023, according to the data mining. And the cover of the game, Cross-Gen Cross Edition, looks to feature... 
wrestling slash acting slash Chinese communist sympathizing boy, John Cena. <laughs> communist sympathizer. <laughs> no, but uh, wrestler, actor, John Cena. All joking aside, kind of. All right, guys, and that is going to do it for all of our news this week. Now we move on to the final and best segment of the show, which is none other than the comments, the shout-outs, the questions from YouTube.com. You know how it works. You go over to YouTube.com slash Xbox on podcast or at Xbox on podcast. Click on the latest episode of the podcast and leave a comment. You can say anything you want. You can say, Jesse, you're dumb. Halo's dumb. Stop talking. Blah, 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 blah. I can't hear you. My fingers are in my ears. I can't hear you. Shut up, shut up, shut up. No, 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 boo-boo. You suck. And I'll be like, ow. That, that annoys me. It makes me want to fight you, but I can't do anything because I can't reach the computer. Or you can say something nice like Jesse, Xbox is for boys, PlayStation's for girls. If you were my girl if you were my best friend, I'd call you a squirrel and I'll say, oh, damn man, hold my hand because I love you. And uh, unfortunately no one wrote in with any of those comments this week. So we're we're left with these following eight entries from you, the audience, and I'm excited to get into them with you right now. So let's go ahead and do that. Starting with none other than Redo Vandal, who has a warm-up write in for us saying I'm watching the boys and enjoying my Italian sub along with my Mountain Dew. I assume you mean the Amazon show, the boys. Uh, but that that sounds great. Change the boys to King of the Hill, and I'm, and I'm right there with you, buddy. Haha, this channel promotes good, bad habits. Gonna hop onto DMZ later and get my ass blasted within the first match. The shit we look forward to coming home after work, LMAO. By the way, I, I ordered a Nintendo Switch along with some Mario games only because of the future, the, sorry, the future episode with Hunter. Anyways, keep sucking, dear friend. Um, well, I hope you like your Switch a lot. If you don't, you can blame Hunter for that. If you love it, I'll take credit for that. But I would like to say, I like I like your comment about looking forward to a game that you know you're just going to get ass blasted on once you get home. Um, I've been having that experience with Modern Warfare 2 lately also. I've been trying to get through the Spec Ops missions, the co-op missions. And that's that second fucking mission, dude. It's so goddamn hard. You got to take out those watchtowers or whatever. And every time I get matched with someone who, who jumps halfway through the game, and you literally cannot do that shit without a partner. So it's so infuriating because I cannot get through that mission to save my freaking life because all my, my co-op partners just keep bailing on me, dude. It sucks. Redo Vandal, please feel for me. Pour one out for me. And thank you for writing in. God bless you. I hope you enjoy your Nintendo Switch. Let us know how it goes. All right, let's talk about some Game Pass recommendations. Jobby Muncher writes in. Thank you for writing in. I think this is your first time, so I appreciate you joining the conversation here on Xbox On. You said, Jessen, Jessen, can't even say my own name today. Jesse, if you recommended three games on Game Pass, what would they be? All right, Jobby Muncher. So I looked up Game Pass's current library with a couple of uh, parameters. I'm only looking at games available on consoles, so no PC games. And I'm only basing this on games that are available on PlayStation, on Game Pass, PlayStation. Game Pass that I have played extensively, that I know I can talk about confidently because I played through the whole game or something like that. So there are a lot of games on Game Pass right now that I want to recommend, but it's like I've only played a little bit of it or I really want to play it, but I haven't played it yet. So I had to leave all those off. And what my list mostly looks like as a result of that is a lot of games from like the Xbox 360 and Xbox One generation. But nonetheless, you asked for three. Um, the first three I got were Dead Space, because honestly, I think Dead Space holds up so well after all these years. You don't need to spend $70 on the remake. You can just play the original Dead Space from 2008 on Game Pass and you'll enjoy it just as much because it still looks great to this day. I put Quantum Break because this game is criminally underrated. Not a lot of people had Xbox One. Not a lot of people played this game. 
If you have never played this game, you must play this game. Quantum Break is so damn good. It is actually my favorite game from Remedy. I know it's a hot take, but I love this game. And I genuinely think if if uh, if you if you are an Xbox player and you have not completed Quantum Break, you are missing out on one of the great Xbox games. Um, so absolutely, you need to play Quantum Break. And then I also put Yakuza 0. If you want to support some Japanese content on the on the platform, do something a little different that's not so Xbox-centric. Yakuza 0 is such a great game. God damn it. Amazing game. If you're only going to play one Yakuza game, it's got to be Yakuza 0. If the game doesn't make you cry, money-back guarantee, baby. I promise you, you'll love this game. It's so fun, so goofy, so Japanese, so ridiculous. There's nothing like it. I love Yakuza 0. But I also put a bunch of other games in here because I couldn't really just limit it to three. I also think if you never played Mirror's Edge, you should play Mirror's Edge. Not the sequel, Catalyst, the original game. Mirror's Edge, the 2008 Xbox 360 game. So fun. I love Mirror's Edge. Please play that game. So cool. Sunset Overdrive. This is another one of those like, bro, I know I know a lot of people kind of skip down on Xbox One. So if you're a hardcore Xbox fan, chances are you play these games. But if you are a relatively new Xbox fan and you've never played Sunset Overdrive, you must play this game. It's not like a, I recommend it or it's one of the better games. It's like you either play this game or you die a fucking sham of a human being. Your kids will piss on your gravestone when you die. It will be pathetic. They will not remember you. There will be no name for you in the history books. You failure. So please play Sunset Overdrive. And um, also the gunk. This game came out about a year ago. Uh, this is a little... I think it's still only on Xbox. I think it's still exclusive to Xbox, but um, it's made by the guys that make those Steam World games. And uh, this game is really cool. It's a third person, like light puzzle solving, platform, environmental kind of game, narrative driven. It's only like a three and a half hour long game. And I thought it was really cool about these these two girls that land on this uh, planet and they have to find these resources to kind of get back up in the air. It's just kind of about like this 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 gunk that is overtaking this planet and finding out like what happened here and learning about this ancient history. And it's, it's, it's quaint. It's not super like crazy or anything, but it's just a lot of fun. It's a really fun little weekend game. And I feel like it was kind of overlooked. If you want to support some newer, smaller, uh, Xbox, um, exclusive content, I, th I think a game like the gun needs a little bit more attention. Also tiny kin. Uh, this game came out last fall. Um, amazing. It's like Mario, Sun Mario Odyssey meets Pikmin. So much fun. Play the fuck out of this game while it's still on Game Pass. So, so good. And then lastly, I put uh, another one you probably have heard of or most people probably played. But if for whatever reason you haven't played the Machine Games Wolfenstein games, like Wolfenstein The New Order, 2014's The New Order, for the love of God, play that game right now. That game is so good. If you love first-person shooting, if you love gory, violent action games... Holy fuck, Wolfenstein the New Order is such a 9 out of, 9.8 out of 10. That's right, IGN's robbing it 0.2 points. But no, seriously, that game is so, so good. Please, for the love of God, play that game. It's so, so good. Um, but yeah, those are some Game Pass recommendations. I hope you found at least one thing you haven't played on there that you might be interested in. But uh, I feel bad that I didn't have more indie recommendations, but all my favorite indie games that were on Game Pass are no longer on Game Pass, so I couldn't recommend them. Um, but anyway... Next up, Jamie Armour writes in and says, Do you grind camos on Modern Warfare 2? If so, what's the hardest gun to grind? 
Jamie, thank you for writing in. I think this might be your first time as well, so I appreciate you writing in. Um, I'll be honest, I, I don't know the meta well enough to know what the hardest gun to grind is. Um, I do grind camos in Modern Warfare 2, but keep in mind, I have very limited time to play games, and I don't play as many games or play the games I want to play as much as I wish I had time to play them. So, I... I uh, God, I swear to God, if, if you know, the Call of Duty meta these days is just grind camos, like, constantly. Um, if it were as grindy and as much to do back in, in my Call of Duty prime years as it is today, like, you know, back when I was playing, like, World at War and Modern Warfare 2 in 2009, like, the old, old Modern Warfare 2, I, I would have been all over this shit. But in, in today's world, it's like, I, I try to grind camos, but I just, I don't have that much time. So, I do have gold on the M4, on whatever that MP5-type gun is, whatever that weird... Fennec or whatever that gun is. So I have I have gold on a handful of we weapons, one of the shotguns. Um, I'm working through the assault rifles and the submachine guns right now. So I have gold on all of those. I'm trying to get silver on a couple of weapons right now. Um, and I gotta be honest, weapon grinding in Modern Warfare 2 is actually the easiest and most accessible and most fun that weapon grinding has ever been on a Call of Duty game for me. So I actually, I don't know what the hardest gun to grind is, but I do know that in general, grinding weapons on this game is a fucking blast. It's really fun. Uh, it's one of the many, many reasons why I think this is a great Call of Duty game that people are just constantly writing off as just another Call of Duty game. But like, it's a good game, man. Credit where credit's due. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I can't answer that question, unfortunately. But I, yes, I grind, I grind camos and I don't know what the hardest one to grind is, but uh, find the gun that you think looks the coolest Grind the skin you want. I'm trying to get silver right now, okay? Silver skins look pretty good in this game. All right, let's talk about some layoff information. Keith L. writes in. He's got a little bit of a lengthy one, and then uh, we got some fast ones, and then we got to wrap up. Keith says, first off, fuck capitalism. 10,000 people fired, but all the big wigs at Microsoft are still making multi-millions. How about you forego some of your salary so someone else can take can keep their job and put food on their own table? It's effing despicable how greedy the world has gotten. No regard for the human being at all. Just got to make bank. Fuck Microsoft for this shitty, horrible decision. Now on to better things. Seeing the love of The Last of Us TV show is getting made me really think about another one of my favorites, which is not seeing the light of day, Splinter Cell. What are your ideas for the next Splinter Cell game? And do you think they should branch out to make a movie or TV series? I would love to see a Splinter Cell game like Conviction, which was my favorite, or which was one of my faves, <clears throat> which is a great story and maybe a handoff to a, uh, and maybe do a handoff to a new agent. Give Sam Fisher a great ending and, uh, and propel the story forward by developing a new character. I always thought that Splinter Cell would be great, would be uh, would be made greater with an upgraded tree, uh, with an upgrade tree and choices on how to engage enemies. Hitman vibes, anyone? Love all that you do. Keep up the amazing work. Cheers from Toronto, Canada. Rocket Scientist, aka Keith, and that's R zero C K three T. 5YNT5T for those who want to add him on Xbox. Thank you for the writing, Keith. I love your comments because you, you're very uh, very thoughtful. I, I, like, I feel like you got a lot of fun ideas and insight and uh, desires to kind of share with us. It makes it kind of fun to pontificate and think about uh, various I don't know, Xbox things that I feel like otherwise don't get brought up a whole lot on the show. So I appreciate your, your comments and I appreciate your fuck capitalism sentiment. But, um, yeah, um, as it goes with Splinter Cell, again, I feel like a broken record this week. Splinter Cell is a game I actually don't have a lot of history with, and I know it's like such a quintessential Xbox experience, but I, I've never played a Splinter Cell game. I, I had, my brother and I had the first two Splinter Cell games back on the OG Xbox, 
uh, what is it? Splinter Cell and Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow. Pandora Tomorrow is the third one, right? What was the second one? Whatever the second one was, we had the first two. Uh, but I, I never played them. He played them. He loved them. He was into stealth games. I wasn't. I was like, give me Ratchet and Clank and Halo. I'm good. So I don't have any touch touch uh, stone or kind of touch point with uh, Splinter Cell, which is kind of why I've been looking forward to this seemingly burned forever in development Ubisoft Splinter Cell remake because I feel like that would be a great way for me to jump into the franchise. I would, uh, you know, now that I'm older, I think I would like Splinter Cell. I just, I'm waiting for them to bring it back. Um, I know a lot of people like Conviction. Now, don't get, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Conviction like the more action heavy, like the more like third person action, a little less stealthy Splinter Cell game? Uh, I know people are often pissed off about the voice actor changing in some of the later games and wanting to bring him back. I- I'm okay with a uh, Gears 4 kind of like hand over the mantle to the next generation type deal. I think that, that could be cool for Splinter Cell just because my understanding is the actor that plays Sam Fisher is quite old and he won't, you know, won't be able to do this forever. So maybe that is something you want to do to kind of secure a future for this IP. Um, you know, while we're talking, while we're on the subject of, you know, misma- mismanaged, uh, mishandled, beloved IP. <laughs> uh, Ubisoft, here you go. Here's yours. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I- I'm a little concerned about or confused about what you were saying about The Last of Us. You said The Last of Us TV show made me really think about another one of my faves, which I've not seen. Oh, you weren't saying anything about what would be a good TV show. You're just saying it reminded you of Splinter Cell. Yeah, I don't... Uh, God, for the, love of, for the love of God, don't make a movie or TV series about Splinter Cell. Yes, maybe it can work. Maybe it's a good way to get Mom and Dad or Uncle Dave in, into um, into Splinter Cell, but like for the love of God, just because, just because The Last of Us is pulling off Let's just let's just focus on games first, okay? Let's get Splinter Cell back into the the repertoire of, of, of gaming before we go trying to make an HBO series about Sam Fisher. But uh, I don't know. I don't hate the idea. I just I just don't care for the idea at all. But uh, yeah, so I'm sorry I couldn't give you more thoughtful commentary on this one. It's just we're a little bit outside of my wheelhouse with this one, to be complete completely and perfectly honest. Uh, stealth is something I've only kind of come into in more recent years, so. I have played Metal Gear Solid. Frankie writes in and says, as a consumer, I have next to no voice publicly and no power when it comes to uh, the Xbox layoffs, but I'll do my own little symbolic protest against Microsoft just because of the layoffs and I will buy dead space on PlayStation instead of Xbox. Is this dumb? Yes, but there's not much I can do besides that. I would also like to encourage anyone out there who's like me and has multiple platforms, PC, PS5, etc., to buy their next game that they would have purchased on Xbox on a different platform instead. To which I responded, I do like this sentiment. It doesn't fix your problem because there's not much you can do. You're right about that. But it is a nice little display of your your frustration, you know? Obviously, at the end of the day, if everyone goes and buys Dead Space on PlayStation and not Xbox, it's not going to kill Microsoft. It's not going to hurt Xbox or Microsoft. But it is a nice little way to just be like, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to just put my, my money where my mouth is and support a different platform just to kind of make the point that like, hey, you didn't have to do this thing, you chose to do this thing, and it's kind of shitty that you did it. Um it it, it is unfortunate because we do live in this world where like you, you get <laughs> you get so many people who like to like walk around and be like, We're so free in this country, we're so goddamn free, everyone's got so much freedom. How yeah, but we really don't have a lot of like control over so many like don't get me wrong. You know, in mo- I hate when people try to like relegate this to like a, a specifically and authentically American thing because so much of the modern world has 
so many similar freedoms and abilities that we have. It's not, it's not like you're going to go to like Australia and be fucking prison for being like penis, you know, in the, in the shopping mall or something. But, um, but I just, I hate this. Um, I hate this notion that's like, oh yeah, we can just put our money where our mouth is. It's like, yeah, we can. And I do, I, I do respect and appreciate that spirit. But at the end of the day, we have, too many powerful entities that are just too powerful and too wealthy to fail. There is nothing anyone could possibly do to influence or tell Xbox or tell Microsoft, no, bad Xbox, bad Microsoft. I keep saying Xbox. I mean to say Microsoft, bad Microsoft, you know, Um, because at the end of the day, they have enough wealth to buy everyone off and tell us to go fuck ourselves on a private island for millions of years to come. Um, it just, it just doesn't matter. Everyone in the world could take a year off of buying Xbox games and Microsoft could withstand it and move on and be completely fine because nothing we do has any real control over an entity as powerful and as wealthy as Microsoft. And that's just the reality of the situation. Shitty things can happen all the time without any repercussion because we live in a, in a country where the corporations run everything and the rules are set up in their favor and, if you are just Joe Schmo trying to make a living, fortunate enough to have a job with Microsoft, you can have your job taken from you the next day while the CEO enjoys their million dollar, their multi-million dollar pay with multi-million dollar bonus structure. And uh, fuck you, nothing you can do about it. But don't worry, the government is very concerned with what kind of files were on Hunter Biden's laptop. We're not going to focus on government, you know, corporate corruption and greed and pay inequality or infrastructure or abysmal healthcare or poverty or the housing market collapsing. We're just going to talk about what kind of files were on Hunter Biden's laptop. So take that unemployed former Microsoft personnel. And thank you for writing in Cronky. All right, let's try to not be as sad. Let's talk about the Callisto protocol. Dead Captain James writes in again. Dude, we're graced with Dead Captain James's commentary twice this week, which means you better go out and buy a lottery ticket because you're a lucky motherfucker. If you see DCJ two times in one week and he says $2 million in sales for a brand new IP, that's horror and $70. Those are good sales numbers. To be honest, the expectations from Crafton are way out of whack. Referring back to Callisto protocol from last week, how we talked about the game selling roughly 2 million copies, having a budget of about $160 million and not meeting the sales expectation of 6 million units, which is insane. Kronky also wrote in on the matter and says, for a long time, I've been arguing that games and movies need to be made with smaller budgets. I think Callisto Protocol is a prime example. It's a great game, well-made, really solid, well-made, yeah. The (laughs) The expectations of 5 million copies sold is absurd. It's a horror game. That's a niche. People stick with their people stick their noses up at horror. Crafton really screwed this one. Also, the budget was definitely too high. If a game like this has a has to look a little less pretty to keep the cost down, so be it. Get the crap under control. Cronky, I think uh, this is a really succinct comment that really just nails everything about the story. I didn't fix it enough on the on the budget. You're right. It, the budget was way too high for this game. They did not need to hire Sony to come in and make the game look really pretty, which they did do. The, this, the game looks beautiful. The game is very cinematic feeling, gorgeous looking. But yeah, if they th- this game could have been made for like $80 million, sold 2 million copy, co- copies. Yeah, that's English now. Sold 2 million copies and been a hit. But yeah, unfortunately, they had way too big a budget, ridiculously unrealistic expectations. And yeah, like like Dead Captain James says, like 
Their sales numbers are good for a $70 brand new horror IP, but Crafton just completely had everything out of whack. So unfortunate to say the very least, but I don't think we'll ever see Callisto Protocol come back. We'll get our DLC or season pass, whatever that all is. And then that that is going away. That is a one and done IP. And we might not even see Striking Distance come back, honestly, after that. So super unfortunate, but let's move into our final comment of the week, guys. Count Skyla writes in. Count Skyla, good to see you, man. Lengthy comment here. That's why we put you down at the bottom so we can fix it and, and, and give the necessary time for this meaty comment we got here. Thank you for writing in, and let's uh, let's read what you got to say. You said, I've heard crazy stats about how many hundreds of years Microsoft could operate without making a single dollar and not need to let a single employee go. So I always have a terrible time wrapping my mind around this lean cuts to appease shareholders at times of recession. It's economic cycles, so that's easy to forget about. But this is another reason why we have to remember large companies are not your friend. They're only businesses, and improving ROI is the only thing that they're and they're on their actual agenda. With more layoffs coming, there's a whole psychological component for the remaining employees as well. I have close family and a few friends that work at Microsoft, and now they're all wondering, am I going to be am I going to get an email next week. It's not a healthy way to have to live. I was so shocked to see how many years some of these people that left that were let go had been with 343 and Microsoft as well. Cutting anyone is bad, but cutting employees that have been with your company for 20 for 10 to 20 plus years is horrifying. I hate to even bring up Halo with all this going on, but I don't think that this is the end of Halo. Like the videos I keep seeing on <laughs> Exactly like that. I think 343 gets back to publishing and having other studios do their dev work and they continue to maintain infinite multiplayer uh, or something along those lines. I refuse to spin any of this as good news because all we truly know is that Halo will be different moving forward and a bunch of real people are now living an actual nightmare looking for new jobs. Taco Bell is good. It's not in your head. Just like Xbox On is the best podcast. Well... Count Scott, how could I disagree with that? Great comment. I really appreciate you writing in. Again, really thoughtful. So I really appreciate this comment. Yeah, I mean, this is the last thing I'll say about the layoffs, and then we'll just leave it at that. And, and I think you really just nailed it, you know, especially with your with your knowing people who've worked for or work with and, and just like knowing that there's a there's a real human element to this that people people exactly like if, if I know if my job came in tomorrow and fired half of my coworkers and spared me. I wouldn't come to work the next day saying, thank God I have a job. I'd come into work the next day terrified, thinking, oh, my God, I got I got to find a new job. They're about to fire my ass next. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. You do create that culture, and it's disgusting. And it's completely unnecessary because Xbox has the money to not have to do that. And you could just take temporary pay cuts from executives for a while to help make up the difference if that's what you really want to do. But last week, I allowed myself to get a little too frazzled and out of control to really just succinctly make the point I wanted to make. But it's like this. If you're Microsoft, why do you exist? And you can say the lazy capitalist thing and say, to make money. Okay, shut up. Yes, to make money, of course, because that's what the world's about. But not really. Because you think about it, it's like, just break it down to its most bare essence. Companies exist to create products or services to better humanity. In doing so, they create jobs so people are able to make a living, support themselves and their families, stimulate the economy, thus making the quality of life improved for others. Those people generate money in wealth, they use it, they buy things, they, they, they pay rents, they buy homes, they pay mortgages, they buy food, they do entertainment stuff. 
And that money gets injected into other businesses and put into other pockets so other people can make livings, so other people can support their families, so other people can live high quality lives, stimulating the economy, bettering the community, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is, at the end of the day, we always let the buck stop with money. And of course, it's always going to be that way. I'm not, I'm not saying that anything's going to change or I, I got some, some brain busting idea here that's going to make you think money's not the end all be all. But the thing is, it's like, what's the fucking point of anything if we're not ultimately driven to a better world for tomorrow? I know I sound so idealistic. I sound like fucking Greta Thornburg or whatever the fuck her name is talking about saving the environment. But it's like, seriously, dude, what is the fucking point? You have a company like Microsoft that has some of the brightest minds working there. You're a tech company. You create technology, software, services, hardware that empower people and push the world forward and ignite imaginations and empower people to be able to do work. And I don't mean this in like a PR way, like, oh, buy a Surface Pro and you can be empowered to be your most artistic form. It's like, no, no, no. Computers and technology have propelled the world into the future a million times over. And that's fucking awesome that companies like Microsoft have contributed to that. But if you're overstaffed, if you feel like you have... A, a, a little bit of a bloated staff, your objective as a company, especially a company as, as fucking stocked as Microsoft, isn't to make more money. Let's cut, let's cut costs and cut staff to make more money. It's to find a creative and beneficial way to allocate those employees so they can create more software and services and hardware and things that will better life for humanity. Because at the end of the day, if you have money to buy Activision, a company that is already providing a product and service to the world, and therefore by owning them, you're not creating a net positive, you're just owning something that already exists, that's one bad thing. And then on top of that, you're laying people off while you're exercising on the other side of your mouth the fact that you have money to acquire other teams. And then on top of that, you have executives that are getting paid out the ass and they could just take pay cuts and immediately ameliorate the whole issue with excess spending. And to me, it's just disgusting on all fronts. There's nothing that says complicit, lazy, uninspired, greedy, just just completely seedy as fuck as what this, this one, two, three move goes. As executives didn't take a pay cut, people 10,000 people lost their jobs. And Microsoft still has $69.7 billion to buy Activision all at the same time. It's so antithetical because Activision Blizzard are going to continue to exist and have the products and services that benefit humanity with or without the ownership of Microsoft. And Microsoft is now going to have ownership over something that doesn't change anything fundamentally. Um, they're going to make 10,000 people no longer have jobs and they're not going to be creating or innovating on anything in the process. And again, exactly as you guys said, corporations are not your friends. It's disgusting because I like Microsoft because I think Windows Phone was awesome. I like Surface PCs. I like Xbox. I think these are really cool, innovative, and fun products. Okay? But if you're just buying Activision Blizzard just to own Activision Blizzard and make the Call of Duty money, you're not benefiting humanity in any way. Like, no one's benefiting from that. Call of Duty already exists. World of Warcraft already exists. And now you're laying 10,000 people off on top of that. 10,000 people that could create something that doesn't exist. And this is like, this is the kind of thought. 
You know, of course, it's because they're a publicly traded company. They have to appease shareholders, C-suite executives, investors. And this is the kind of stuff that makes the world such a shithole, is that when you put money at the center of the universe, this is what you get. A lack of innovation, a slow receding from progression, a walk backwards, an objectively worse quality of life for working class and average Joes that are just trying to take care of themselves, take care of their families, make a living for themselves, and a disproportionate cushion for the wealthy. And it fucking sucks. Make no mistake about it. Let's just say, fast forward a year from now, Microsoft successfully acquires Activision Blizzard King. Guess what? With those 10,000 people no longer employed by Microsoft, and the ownership of Activision Blizzard King now complete, Microsoft is objectively, pound for pound, a worse company than they were before that. You're better off with 10,000 people who have the potential to create than you are without those people and now the ownership of something that already exists, thus contributing nothing. Disgusting. I, that's that's all I have to say. It's just fucking gross, dude. But um, as for your Halo comments, dude, uh, I appreciate it. I feel like... I feel like I feel like what you're saying is kind of a little bit in between like what uh, Dead Captain James was saying and what Kronky were saying where like, you're like, you know, it's not all the end, you know, it's not all like get rid of 343. I think they still have a role. I think they should still stick around, but let some other people work on some Halo games. Yeah, I just, I, I really don't mind that. And I, and I would even back that up and support it because I would like to see some other people have a creative spin on Halo. But at the end of the day, I just think 343 is on a path to tell a story and do something with Halo. And I would just hate for them to get removed from that and for that story to just die in the middle. Because I feel like at this point, people are so obsessed with Battle Royale and online co-op and all this stupid fucking multiplayer shit that we're willing to entirely sacrifice and destroy the narrative aspect of Halo. I feel like with what the Halo fans and content creators talk about, that's where we are. Is they just don't they don't care. They're willing to just be like, yeah, give us id Halo. I, I'm willing to sacrifice the entire narrative of Halo just to have id make a Halo game. It's like, can we at least still get the continuation of what this story is? Because there's a lot of loose ends. There's a lot of things that are left unresolved. And goddamn, I'll be so disappointed if if I have to read a fucking book to figure out all the answers to the questions I have. Because that sucks, dude. But that is it for this week's episode of the Xbox On Podcast, guys. A girthy one, a lengthy one, if you will. Without editing, we're at two and a half hours. So... Yeah, we got a lot. We got a lot to get through here. But you guys, I appreciate your time. I look forward to your comments and your feedback from this week's episode. Let me know what you guys thought about the uh, developer direct. I thought it was all in all pretty good. You know, it's one of the one of the more enjoyable ones for me. I hope we get to see more of this style of uh, of direct from or of showcase from Xbox in the future. And uh, guys, until then, have a wonderful weekend. I am going to be out of town this weekend, so unfortunately, not playing Gotham Knights or Hi-Fi Rush um, like I'd like to be. But I got some exciting, fun stuff to do, so I can't complain. I'm, 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 I'm lucky and I'm privileged, and I got fun stuff coming up for me. So I'll be doing that. But I hope you guys have an excellent rest of your week. I hope you guys play some great games. I hope you guys have a lot of great time with friends, loved ones, family members, whatever the case may be. Eat some delicious food. Please let me know what you thought about the food served at Kronky's wedding, if you can. And until next week, power your dreams. <laughs>